0: Six-Pack Lapidat here. I'm hoping you're enjoying the podcast. And do keep in mind, none of this can be done for free. So help us out. Go to FusionMuscle.com and use the promo code KOTL25 and get yourself whatever supplements they got on there. And they have it all. Whether it's pre-workout, multivitamins, creatine. They even got protein. FusionMuscle.com. K O T L 25 and get 25% off of whatever they got. Dropped off of your house. Don't be a sucker wasting your time driving to a supplement store paying full price. FusionMuscle.com. Peace. Hey!
1: Hey! Hey! Hey!
0: pack it at and for the intro today we got two co-hosts i got my man yaz checking in sure. and uh we got kafwi and we were just talking about um well there's a big sports weekend let's talk about the tennis one for this one though. for this intro let's big talk
1: weekend. it's a
0: big sports weekend because we had a ufc and everybody who listens knows i'm a ufc guy um i know my man's seen yeah seen the ufc and um you're a huge khabib fan
1: i was watching ufc since 10 a.m from the pre-fights, oh, I shit. This with your old man too. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um. So yeah, that's a little more hardcore than me. I wasn't. I, I got there like two thirty three. Caught the main card. Um. But uh. But we'll talk about that in a minute for the for the next while. Well, it'll be for the next podcast. We're banging out two episodes today. But the other sports story. Um. Canadian, Bianca
1: Andrescu. Hopefully, I'm not saying that wrong.
0: Andrescu, Bianca Andrescu, 19 years old, defeated. Thirty-seven-year-old Serena Williams,
1: which is huge, and first Canadian to win the U.S. Open—is that right? First Canadian.
0: Jesus, we've never won the U.S. Open never, before, not once. You know, I'm just look, going through my mental Rolodex. Yeah, because in terms of like the women's—I'm not—not like I'm a big women's tennis fan, but everybody knows the Williams sisters. Yeah. So
1: I don't uh, even know if there's a Canadian woman who's won a like major in tennis. To be honest, like I'd let alone the U.S. Open, up. I'd have to look that up. But she could be the first Canadian woman to win. Just a major in general for Canada. Yeah, I so.
0: yeah. Well, I mean, how dominant is the Williams sisters are? Oh, well, the crazy thing like is. Like, they, Serena, they win them all,
1: right? She won her first U.S. Open 20 years ago before Andrea was born. Yeah, yeah. Like, that is- yeah,
0: that's what I was reading in the paper. So, because yeah. um, she's 19 years old. So she was winning. Serena Williams was winning Grand Slam titles before she was even born. Yeah. And then. Uh, can you imagine when you're, when you're like winning a title being like like imagine at that point she's winning a title and she'd be telling herself people who aren't even born yet are going to be playing me for the fucking title in the future. I'm going to be around so long a lifetime later she ain't even born yet and I, like my future rival isn't even alive yet. You're Like I, how crazy in terms of longevity oh, if you I let know. that sit in.
1: And this was just such a hard match for me to cheer for because I've been a huge Serena Williams fan. but as a Canadian you got to cheer for like yeah, Canadian girl as well. Bianca Yeah, so I'm just, I was one of those bad sports fans who's sitting on the fence. You got to pick one person. What did you <laughs> pick? What did you pick? In the end, I had to. I had one with the Canadian roots. Ah. But I've been a huge Serena Williams fan, so it, he, was, it was hard for me to choose.
0: When I'm, when I'm looking at a situation like that, like, it's weird. I like the emergence of a new star. Obviously, I'm going to root for a Canadian. But at the same time, like, you always, like, you know that dominant force that's been around... And the party's still going. It's like a party mm-hmm. that you don't want to end yet. You're like, fuck. I kind of want, like, you know. Wow, well, look at look Khabib. You want you want the thing to keep going. Mm-hmm. You're like, so when Serena's still around, twenty years in the game later, and people might hear thirty seven and think like, in professional sports, you have athletes in their thirties, but it depends on the sport. Like MMA, we have like um, guys in their thirties. Like D Cormier's forty years old. He just lost a title to Stipe, who's thirty seven. Like that shit's not. All right. Well, it's not that crazy. No tennis. You you start winning as a teen, like Andre Bianca Andreescu winning at nineteen. I, I just read the. I don't. I'm not a huge tennis guy, but one autobiography that is phenomenal is um, Andre Agassi. Mm. Um, open. It's called Open. U.S. Open. You know they're they're all whatever Open, but the book because he he's open and he talks about his past. So it's a double entendre. It's really fucking good. But he talks about he was like sixteen. When he broke through and became a star, like you're a teenager, right? You picture who you were at 16. Imagine being a fucking famous celebrity, sports star, making millions, sponsorships on TV, battling legends, and you're a fucking teenager. Dude, I wouldn't have been ready.
1: No, that's mentally crazy enough. To think
0: of it, I, I, there's no way I'd be ready. But um, and they, he was talking. I think uh, Andre retired at 36, and he'd already gone through a whole generation of people that he'd been facing when he was 16. A second generation in his early twenties. Another generation, and by the time he's thirty six, he's like, I swear to God, man, it was like a fourth, a fourth wave of faces and names were coming at me. People who were like, again, they weren't born when I was first winning it twenty years earlier. Like in terms of tennis, because there's so much movement and, and the way just the way it is, it's a young man, young woman sport. So when you're thirty six, and he was fucking ruined, his body was ruined. He was great. Like all of his rivals from previously were long gone. He had new rivals every year, like Nadal mm-hmm. um, and Federer. Oh, he started yeah. playing those guys. I think he even got a W over them when they were green still on the way up. But these dudes were like coming when he was leaving and he had like wait, like Pete Sampras. He, he stuck around long enough. For a little while, everyone thought Pete Sampras was the greatest of all time. Then it was Nadal and then Federer, whatever. He saw all these. He, I think he faced, I'm going to talk way out of pocket. But I think he, like, I'm going to start throwing names out there, but I think he faced someone like a McEnroe or some crazy shit.
1: Yeah, I'm totally lost with you right now. Like, I don't follow tennis this closely.
0: He, he, he faced, he fa- I'm, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a closet tennis nerd. now. started starting to come out. Like, hang on a second, man. You came in here saying you don't know much about tennis. You're dropping a lot of knowledge on us right now. I seriously read one book. I'm not a professional or a fucking expert. But um, he had seen, anyways, like generational, the biggest names of each generation, if you stick around long enough, and you, you look around, and you're like, nobody my age is still here, and I'm 36. Where some sports, that's 36, is, it's not over yet, it's older, but it's not like, you know, but tennis is crazy. So going back to like the Serena Williams situation, that's how fucking crazy dominant the Williams sister is. Like, I don't know, they probably, I mean, they, they win like everything. Yeah, there's like, only six, sure. is there not?
1: If Serena...
0: What happened this to one, her sister?
1: would have tied the record for, the, for like one person winning in a certain amount of majors.
0: Oh, somebody, went, of majors. somebody yeah. won more majors than her? I
1: think there's... I don't know her name, but I was reading an article and I think there's one person. That's I think insane. this would have tied Serena with the other individual.
0: Oh, wow. So there's a lot at stake for both these ladies. Yeah. Because I, I was just about to say, when I was building up, when I'm watching a legacy happen and I'm watching like a dominant force happen... You hitting that right now, my man. I'm seconding
1: it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Dude, please. Because um, I, well, listen, when I'm listening to a podcast and they bring up Do You Think and they're throwing around stats, I always want the producer to hop on and, and find out because don't leave me hanging. But, uh, but anyways, um, when I'm watching, I do feel nostalgic when you see like a dynasty going and you're like, like can Serena hang on and do the unprecedented and you want to see it. On the flip side, I also tell myself, you want enough. You got 20 years as the, the, the queen.
1: I got it. Okay. Margaret Court has 24. Serena Williams has 23.
0: That's insane. So, so who's sure Margaret Court? Been. A. What era was she? I couldn't tell you. You want to? I'll have. i have, I'll look at You up. just became our producer, sir. <laughs> you just became our fact checker, sir. But I, is dominant? There was someone more dominant than Serena? Here's the other thing, too, though. In terms of sports, like NHL, at one point there was six teams. Uh, I don't know how many games or what the circuit was for tennis, but if Serena wasn't the most dominant, she's been around for 20 years kicking people's teeth in, how the hell did this other lady fly under the radar like that? And we don't, she's not a household name.
1: Oh, she, I, I found it. She's date. well, I don't want to say dated, but a little bit dated. In 1960, when she was 17, Court won the first of seven consecutive Australian championships. So she was around from like 1960 to 66. And won eleven overall between 1969 to 1973. So, she was early. So, from 1960 to 1973, is the period that she played. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not
0: as long a period as Serena. No,
1: no. no that's so how does years. she
0: ra- how does she rack up? She was putting in work like that. Like yeah, she won more
1: consecutively. Like, yeah. From once mm-hmm. she started, she went seven years. Yeah. Winning, winning them straight. all, and like Serena also had like she's had her little breaks too. Like she, did she had her pregnancy and whatnot. She like she didn't actually wait that long to start competing after pregnancy. which no, was she did impressive. No. Yeah. yeah. So what happened
0: to your other Williams sister, Venus? Um, I think
1: she might have just retired. Did she retire? Or retired, taking a break too. I don't follow. Yeah, it's not, not, not my. As well, but- When I started hearing about it, it was Serena Williams. That was the name that everyone made me. have to look up Venus Williams. Yeah, Yeah. please, dude.
0: I appreciate it. No, but honestly, I remember them both being like the twin towers of tennis. Mm -hmm. And if they doubled, you know they got doubles. If they doubled, I mean, you're getting.
1: It was a dominant force, the two of them. You you get
0: murdered good luck you're getting
1: murdered it's like murdered.
0: putting Kobe and Shaq together it's like Kobe and Shaq man it's like the fucking Avengers had assembled you gotta get Thanos on the other side
1: oh she was at the US Open she lost she lost in the second round so she's so she's a,
0: fading a little bit
1: yeah I mean they've both been here forever I don't want like, I don't they, want, they I can't don't want excuses their, they, can't, I don't they want their excuses. can't be in there forever what do you want
0: <laughs> what do you want PR guy man I love, <laughs> I love
1: the sisters I no. got their back any day of the week I mean respect <laughs> their legacy as well right we're, like we we're just talking, they're dominant force. Just because they're having maybe a rough year, you can't. Well, picture this... Don't throw say it on my sisters. Picture, exactly. picture my <laughs> sisters.
0: Picture this too: um, growing up, because you have to start tennis super early. Like I mean, like fucking, you're a pro at seventeen, mm-hmm. winning major titles, or like you're way past it if you try. Like it's not something you come in later in life. Um, mm-hmm. Like Jamar, who's saying he found powerlifting in his late twenties, but freaking, um, and powerlifting is one of those things you can't. But uh, imagine them growing up. You have to start early, and they were from Compton. Remember, I said that before, and we we're like, "I'm not sure." Like, no, they were coming out of Compton. Yeah, they had each other as their as their partners. I know, like there were yeah. some twins I grew up with, I and they were. Their
1: dad was also really instrumental in there. I'm
0: sure because because yeah. you because you're so young, you can't find it yourself. You're, they're so young, your parents have to put you in it. Um, Andre Agassi, true story, hated tennis. His fucking dad loved tennis, and he has no idea. His dad was a, his is Iranian and was a boxer in the Olympics. But for some reason, he fell in love with tennis. Forced
1: That's Andre... An interesting contrast. i a boxer. He's a boxer. I don't boxer. want him to get hits. You're going to play
0: tennis. My man, from Iran. <laughs> How many tennis players come out of Iran? Yeah. Why did his dad love tennis? He was a boxer from Iran. None of that says... So he must have just found tennis because... And thought, I love tennis, for whatever the hell reason. And then said, my son is going to be a tennis player and one of the best in the world.
1: Living vicariously through his son. For real.
0: And forced him. And he said to his son, he goes, I worked out the math. If you're going to be a pro by the time you're 14, and you have to be, or else you're never going to make it. You need to do, I think it was like a thousand balls a day, every day. So you're at a million swings by the time you're 14. Otherwise, you miss the fucking boat. And he's telling this to his his five-year-old. And he said, "So I bought one of the machines that fires the balls at you. You're gonna go back and you're gonna start. And every fucking day for hours, Andre was forced from the time he was like five years old till by the time he was fourteen, he had hit a million goddamn balls. But he hated it. But he was. But his his father was like abusive. His father was. He's was a boxer, but like violent." Incredibly domineering and controlling. You were going to say something? I
1: find that very interesting because usually you hear the stories of athletes who just have the drive to compete just because they love it. Well, on this hand, he- it's just like he ha- it was like his job.
0: So, hear that, <laughs> hear this though. So, because he's forced to, he hated it because you have to, and it's a domineering, violent father forcing you. However, on the flip side, because um, he got after hitting a million balls and being forced into tournaments and his dad dropping every dime they had for like one-on-ones with the best pros because he was so good at it he became like you kind of like it mm. because it's part of your persona and it's getting you stuff but you're forced into it so and then he started uh, if you know about the Andre Agassi story in the 80s he started rocking a fucking mohawk he went in you know, you're supposed to wear like proper attire he wore like cut off jeans and was like the rock star people like he wore like these gloves like he had like whatever people he looked like a, literally like a 80s rock star going out there but he was he was like rebelling the only way he could rebel like embarrassing his father his father's like you're hitting you look like a fucking clown what are you doing out there this is before tennis like the serena williams sisters now wear whatever the hell they want mm-hmm. it's different mm-hmm. back in the 80s people didn't do that and he's like dying his mohawk pink he's like a rock star from the 80s he looked like but he's rebelling against his father but he's 15 cuz so he's still a 15 16 17 but he's, like, one of the best in the world. And he's just trying to, like, find his own, what find himself. And then later on, and like, he hated tennis forever. But he's making millions. And people like, you can't quit. How are you going to quit? You're a millionaire. You're famous. You're all these things. You could do charity work. You can give back. You're an inspiration to all these people. So then he was never into tennis for himself. And by the time he quit at 36, he's like, fucking... Like when the fourth wave of people came, fourth generations of people came and everyone else had always had already quit and you were still in the game. So many injuries. He's like, why? It's crazy. I'm the guy who hated it. Mm-hmm. Other people loved it and would give anything to keep doing it. He's like, I don't even, my dad has got no domination over me now. It was a weird love-hate mm-hmm. yeah. that you just developed that you're like, but this is who I am though for my whole life. So when I stop, what am I? And he, by the way, married... Steffi Graf, who was one of the greatest women's tennis players as well. So his whole life, it, it, it's, a, it's a fascinating story. But going back to, I was just going to bring this back, to the Williams sisters, when they're coming up, so Andre Agassi just had that machine that fired off balls and his dad would crank it up to 100 miles an hour. And this guy's got him fucking, I don't know what's realistic, maybe it was 100 miles an hour, but you get the point. He's just firing it off and he was smashing these balls day after day. The Williams sisters growing up had each other. Like the best partner in the world to go against is you have like almost like your mirror like I there was a when I was growing up two twins who were wrestling and they both became Canadian national champions and went out to international play and they had each other as sparring partners like when you're growing up and you have like a sibling that's right up there and competitive in the same sport as you it's I mean you can you come home from school, whatever your schedule is, we'll work around it, and it'll always work. In terms of tennis, all you need is one other person. If it's hockey, you can't have one brother who's into hockey and you work around each other's schedule. You need a fucking team. You know what I mean? If it's wrestling, tennis, whatever, your parents want you to work it out, you can work it out. And if your sister's nationally rated or your brother's nationally ranked as well, fuck, man, there's no stopping you. You know what I mean? You could do seven days a week because you make your own schedule. And uh, that's probably what happened. I don't Just know as
1: what long as ha- don't get sick of your sister. Uh, <laughs> dude, I mean, it could be lovely.
0: <laughs> look at me. Man. How many people go into rock bands, start off like all these classic rock bands that we know, like whatever, you name them. And they go on tour together and they're like five guys. And after like 10 years, they can't fucking look at each other. Mm. They get done the tours and they can't stand to be, you're stuck in with each other thick and thin like that. It might help that they're blood, but I'm sure there was some.
1: Oh, yeah, there had to there be. There has to be <laughs> some drama. Uh, dudes, girls. <laughs> More than wait,
0: wait until they got into the early teens and the hormones start kicking in, and they get their periods. And oh shit, son. Um, but I know Agassiz's relationship with his father was messed. But um, but yeah. Anyway, so it is like I'm I'm happy. It's it's cool to see like a new star emerge. Canadian girl, maybe Canadian Romanian. I'm like, like my last name's Romanian. I don't fuck all about Romania, but. Whatever. I just want to. I, I, just want to I just want to claim it. Yeah, she's my sister. You got. You got. she's my sister. But um, it's she's cool. all her sister. She's Canadian. she's
1: Canadian.
0: Yeah, but you claim the Williams. You can't, look at this guy playing both sides, <laughs> covering everyone. his bases. Whoever wins, right? Um, but it's cool to see like a star emerge. But it's also tough when someone's been around like twenty years. Like because I read the Agassiz story and I know at the end, like the end when he talks about it, mm-hmm. um, it's tough, man. When he starts, not that. Serena's done. But, you know, you start cheering for the, the old dog who's still got some fight and doesn't want to go yet. They say in boxing, every great fighter has one more great fight. I remember uh, Vander Holyfield, so we all know George Foreman, and, and we'll cut to uh, our man Jamar in a minute. George Foreman, before he fought Michael Moore, George Foreman won the title at 45 years old, knocked out Michael Moore, at 26, became you know heavyweight champion of the world at 45, and everyone's like, oh my God, he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated, Uh, Crazy, But he actually had a title fight before that when he was 42-43 against Evander Holyfield. And Evander Holyfield was thinking, this is Holyfield for God's sake. And um, Evander Holyfield's trainer at the time pulled him aside because Holyfield was somewhat slacking in training. Because he's thinking, look, this is a big-ass payday. But this dude is a cheeseburger-eating, grill-selling, like this is George Foreman, just like, he's in it for the money. Uh, He's got a big payday. I'm going to make a big payday. But it's not like I'm fighting Mike Tyson here. And his trainer said to him, my man, every great athlete has one more great performance in them. They all have one. You don't know when in it. Is. So, 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 so. <clears throat> there was the great one. There was a the great one. You know what I mean? He's like, fucking train like it's you. Fucking train like it's going to be against you. And Foreman went in there and they went the 12-round distance and Foreman rocked Holyfield. Holyfield came back, rocked Foreman. It turned out to be a war and people were like, oh shit. That was a war. And Holyfield afterwards said, yo, my, my coach told me you better, like, take this seriously. And he did. Ended up winning this. Thank God I did, because there's no way the way I was training leading into I was going to get through that. And then we know, uh, two years later, Michael Moore, showed no respect, was constantly circling into his right, which means circling into George Foreman's right hand, and piecing up Foreman with the jab and having way too easy a time, started getting a little loose, started getting a little lax. Boom, goes the dynamite, 10th round, and homeboy's looking into the um doctor's lens or doctor's light being like son are you okay you got knocked the fuck out and that's what happens right every good athlete great athlete has one more fucking good performance so you're going against them and you see that name be ready you don't know who's going to show up so serena she took an l but uh, like it's not over yet you never know she could still get that win to become she would tie for the most mm-hmm. if she gets one more she needs mm-hmm. two you got to think if she made it to the finals, she could. It's
1: she saw some room in the tank. She got to the finals. It's
0: not without reason to say she could pull off another two before all said and done. It's like, but Tiger Woods, my man, is too old. Is that fair, Tiger Woods? Because he
1: isn't well, he, he. just, isn't came he came just won something this yeah. summer. He just came back. But how
0: far away is he from the records and stuff, though?
1: I don't know the golf records, but he yeah. just won something. Yeah, he's Too old. Yeah. You know,
0: golf is another one where you can be a little older for golf, though. I mean, because more hand-eye coordination, it's not like running around. with reflexes? There's
1: not a lot of physical.
0: T- tennis, you have to have reflexes going on. Yeah. Um, this is more like it's yeah, but I mean, how old is Tiger? He's got to be, fuck man.
1: That's a good question. I'll, I'll ask our friend Google.
0: Dude has been around forever, but like I just say, like I'm not saying Tiger's done. Um, um, like I like golf guys can hang around for a long time, but I, I don't I don't know if he's too He's 43. But golfers go into the 40s. But I don't know if he's close enough to the records. I don't even know the records. It is what it is. We don't want to do too much research. We're yeah. going to get off topic here. I would love discussing. Fun. Hey, man, it's a sports podcast. But anyways, with no further ado, uh, my man Yaz is going to step out. We're going to call Jamar. And, uh, I mean, he's got a hell of a story himself. So, with no further ado, here is Jamar Royster. How you been? It looks like you've been a little busy yourself.
2: I... I'm very busy, uh, <laughs> which I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll talk about later. But, but yeah, dude, it's yeah, you know,
0: you,
2: you deal with the the cards you dealt, you know, and you just keep it moving.
0: Like what, in terms, we're recording right now. By the way, we just we just okay. we just dive right into it. But um, <laughs> um, in terms of what do you mean? Is you got some you have some speed bumps coming your way?
2: No, not necessarily. Just like with like work life and uh, training, just my overall uh, life. So basically, I work constantly. Um, currently, right now, I'm working seven days a week. Uh, so oh, it's kind of hard to find time to you know rest and sleep as it is yeah. now. But I make do with what I got. It's it's a constant thing in life for me. So it's not like this is something uncommon. It's just something I'm used to. Uh, but recently, it's just been a lot lately. Um, so I'm usually typically up at 3 a.m., and I'm usually working up through till about 7, 30, 8 o'clock. And then from there, I'll drive home from work, walk my dog, Nala. I'm sure you've seen all of my Instagram. I'll walk her for about 30 minutes, give her a little bit of that time. Um, but, but before I do that, I usually give myself a little bit of self-development. Self in the, So every morning for about 15 to 20 minutes, I'm chilling in my car, listening to podcast watching a YouTube video, just doing something to, you know, you know, just focus for the day. Um, And then from there, we'll walk. From there, after that, um, I'll make breakfast and just kind of like chill eat breakfast and take a nap, get up. If it's a day I have to go to my second job, it's typically take a nap after breakfast, then work about eight hours there from mid-shift. So roughly 10, 11, or 12 to 6, 7, or 8. And then I come home. (laughs) Walk
0: So so when you you get up, when you get up at three, are you working at like, how come you got to get up at like three o'clock in the morning? So I
2: work uh, at a FedEx hub. Um, So I'm a team lead on the floor. Uh, So I have to get up early to make sure that everything's set and ready to go for the crew to come in and uh, basically uh, offload and load up the the trucks and the ULDs, which are like these huge containers. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm basically doing... A lot of physical labor from 3 a.m. to about 7.30, um, roughly, and I'm usually (laughs) off by 8. So, that's basically my conditioning. So, I'm, like, moving these cans that uh, their chair weight's roughly anywhere between 500 to 730 pounds. And then when there's stuff in there, it ranges from, God, (laughs) 3,000 to 7,000 pounds. And And we're just moving these from...
0: What are these things?
2: They're, like... They, so they're like, uh, we call them ULDs. They're these big containers yeah. that go into planes. Um, so we load them up into the, the FedEx airplanes and they travel from a state one state to another uh, and then just kind of like offload from there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And I'm just
2: moving these. So we have like these... Rollers all over the floor from during throughout the facility, and you were just pulling them from one end to the other, oh, basically.
0: Like manually, like on they're on wheels, but you just like oh, pull them yeah. yourself, not a not a yeah, tow truck yeah. or anything like that.
2: No, nah, just pull
0: them. Oh <laughs> like, damn, pull them man, no, no yeah. kidding. So is this FedEx just a bunch of jack dudes work there or something? Because <laughs> yeah, you got to be strong I'm, to do that I'm, for I'm, three, I'm,
2: three hours. No, I'm I'm probably one of the few guys who's. I mean, I, I look abnormally huge compared to most people um, around my size. But there are a couple of guys to, who are kind of fit. But for the most part, it's just, you know, people, you are know, every day, every day, Jill's and Joe's working, you know, just everybody's just trying to make it and get by.
0: Yeah. But it sounds like a lot of physical labor, though. Like, it that that sounds yeah. like it's tough to move those things around for like three hours straight. And you do that, so wee hours of the morning, and then you get off like eight and nine-ish, and then you have another job after that, or...
2: Yeah. So and sometimes, so with with the FedEx, depending on when the planes come in, uh, it could it could extend to four four and a half hours. But um, so from there, I'm a sales associate at my other job. So good good thing is that I'm sitting at a desk, you know, just making calls and. Dude, you you
0: you do you do that in the morning, then go to your day job? Yeah. Holy shit! And then you train?
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, I I have to. Um. So, but it's every other day with my other day job um it's every day luckily so i'm working roughly 60 hours a week give or take uh but luckily the days that i'm working 12 13 hours i don't train on those days
0: so so yeah but then you're lifting weights the other days though damn that's so you work about 60 hours every week yeah oh wow dude you are grinding and are you just grinding like saving up (laughs) and with like a goal of not having to continue this forever right
2: Uh, I like where I live, you know, um, I've had a rough lifestyle coming up. Um, and I guess that could be a part of why I work so hard and why I'm constantly working so that I never have to go back to the property lifestyle I grew up in. Um, so it's just one of those things where I'm like, I've got to keep moving. I've got to keep going. Um, and it's just a, a constant thing in life for me, but also like, uh, this year, life has thrown a couple of uh, bones my way. It's, it's kind of weird. So I had recently moved into this uh, new townhouse that I'm in. And uh, every month, there was a situation going on. Like, all of my tires blew out. So I had to get retired. tired. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, my dog Nala got super sick. So I had to take her to the emergency vet. Um, and then it just everything just piled. So month after month, there was something and it, it just, it stopped like a few months ago. So I'm like, all right, good. We're in a clear right now. This is on the way. Let's just focus, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so always making sure I just have enough so that I can like get by those things where when they come up, I'm not like struggling. You know what I mean?
0: Man, that's the thing with dogs. People don't understand. Like you get a dog and you're like, oh, all okay. right. Like you buy food or whatever. Man, if that dog gets sick, that bill can run up like a car bill right quick. Cause it's like a doctor bill. Like it could be a couple thousand dollars. If the if it if the dog has to stay overnight, it is a lot of money, man. You better put away money if absolutely. you want to have a dog. Like if, if they ever comes around, yeah, it happens. It could really hit the bank yeah. for sure.
2: Oh, absolutely, and that's when you like really think about pet insurance.
0: <laughs> yeah, do you got pet insurance? I don't. I need it. Yeah. Now you think about it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Same. So you you're saying like when you were coming up, how were you? What was your childhood like?
2: Uh, It's uh, it's funny because it's it's not a loaded question, but it's just kind of hard to like summarize that in a you know, it just it's hard to like kind of summarize that super fast. But basically, all I can really remember is just it's me, six of my siblings, single mom. Um, It's just kind of like she's grinding two jobs. Uh, So it's just like us. Six siblings,
0: two mom. Oh, no, no, dad.
2: Yeah. And I'm the middle child out of the six other of my siblings. And uh, it's just, it was just like rough. All I remember is just being on food stamps, um, her grinding every day, never really seeing her, and never really having anyone there. Um, so it was just kind of like interesting that we had to um, be one another's support system uh, growing up. But I just remember, you know, like you kind when you grew up into a situation, uh, you don't really know what else is out there um, because the world becomes so small. Because I really didn't have anywhere else to go. I didn't have a bunch of friends I could just spend a, spend a night at the house, but it was in a trailer park. So those are the people that I knew. That was the life that I knew when I went to school. These, these This world opened up for me. You know, and I think um, once I started making friends with other people, I would like go over to the houses and it was like wow, well we're we're
0: poor. So you, you were <laughs> six six people with your mom seven in a trailer park. Yes. Oh and um, what city is this? This is in Franklinton North Carolina. Okay.
2: Okay. Yeah, and I remember the trailer park was called Rustic Ridge. And um it was it was a big trailer park. It's just a few black families and quite a few Hispanic families and that was just you know really all we knew, um, so I mean I didn't really know any better. And kind of like when I uh, when I started going out and exploring and kind of seeing the world, I I think I was six at the time. Sitting outside waiting for my mom to get off her second job, just thinking, wow, how did we get here? You were six, you know, like and you were six, six, dude. Really think about that. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not even sure if I understood what I was comprehending or not. I don't even think I could comprehend what I was thinking. Yeah. But just being like, how did we get here and how do we get out? So I just remember going forward, not doing anything that my family or people around me were doing in terms of drugs, drinking, gambling. Like I stayed away from everything that I felt kept us there. Yeah. And it's not a shock to anyone. Uh, It's not a shock to anyone in my family. It's not that I don't, you know, support them or, or, or appreciate the things that we did. Then it was just, I felt that those things helped us back. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was, but it was something, right? So we were doing something that other people weren't doing or we weren't doing something other people were doing yeah. and I had to figure it out. And at that age, who do you go to, right? So I kind of had, it was a lot of trial and, and, and a lot of error. So is, how
0: that what is it like growing up um, at a trailer park? Cause most people have no idea. Like, what, what is that environment like? Because we picture, like, streets and, like, houses or whatever it might be. But it's just, like, uh, trail after trailer close together. And you, you can run around and play in between with friends. Or, like, what, what's it like? I can't picture it. I'm like.
2: Yeah. So that's, that's actually almost how it was. Uh, Rest of Ridge was actually quite different. We had a little bit more space in between our trailers. And luckily we had the trailer that had the biggest chart. Thank God. Cause we had the most kids. Yeah. Um, and uh, for, for me, so I'm 28. Um, so growing up in the nineties, it, it was definitely different. Um, so I just remember being able to stay out as almost as long as you want, um, just running around the neighborhoods and there was other trailer parts, not connected, but if you ran through the woods and through the creek, you could get there. So we'd all link up and meet up and we would just, you know, just run around and just be, you know, knuckleheads and just kind of like have fun, make believe like it was one of those things. There was tree houses. It was it was a different time. It really was. Uh, And it it was fun for me. That's again, that's all I really knew. So the uh, the Hispanics behind us, they had a nice big yard, too. So they would always play soccer. I would go over there from time to time, and play soccer. I was never good at it. Also, my time out there, I never learned Spanish, surprisingly. <laughs> um, yeah. My mom dated uh, her, her boyfriend. His name's Fernando. And we've been dating for 15 years. And I, I know some things, but not a lot. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. one thing I take advantage of. Does your mom know Spanish? She knows a little bit. Um, she's not as fluent, but she knows a little bit.
0: See, that's probably why um, they could talk in front of you, you don't know what they're saying. They probably kept yeah. it that way on made purpose. Make out, yeah, <laughs> made yeah.
2: You yeah, and yeah. Then put the
0: senate together in my head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, when about like what was high school like? When did you decide? Because at six years old, you were telling yourself um, you want to see changes and you want to start. So, yeah. what was like growing up like through high school? And like, were you already motivated? Were you like joining sports, or how did you see your avenue for this change?
2: It's a really good question because I think during the time I could have grown up, man, I had to latch on to something. There had to be something there that was substantial enough for me to, like, I felt like I had a purpose and that was it. And to give the world something, but I didn't know what it was, so I had to find it. So growing up, like I said, it was just a lot of error. It was just me growing up as a kid. Like not really knowing what my purpose was, what my foundation was, but I was just growing up. So eventually we moved out the trailer park and got into like middle school. And um, I remember just being really, really depressed because, again, my mom worked so much um, to give us what we could have, um, which was just for, for us, it was simple things. Food, clothes on our back for before school started, um, and, and a, a roof over our heads, um, keeping the lights on if we can, like things like that. Uh, so... Growing up uh, in middle school, I was a little bit depressed because I didn't have anything, and that's when friends were like, "Hey, let's 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 try to get you into like football, you know." So I remember going out in middle school in eighth grade for the football team, and man, we we did that line drill where you would turn your backs and then you would turn around the corner and just run at each other and just just <laughs> hurt. Damn, that shit made me want to quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I was like, God, this what is this? You know, um, so that was my first experience with contact sports. And then we get to high school. So before high school, there was this neighbor. Again, we're at the trouble park at this time. My mom's finally got us this like nice house. Um, There's this neighbor named Jay and he was really never home. So we always took care of his dog because uh, he was always gone. So eventually he gave us the dog. Um, and then he also gave us a wake set, which was really cool. I was like, oh, cool. I don't really know what this is, but yeah. So we, I took the weight set and it was behind, I, we put it behind the house and it was me my oldest brother. He would go out there, he would train every day. And like, I hated doing what he did because he always had everything. And I was like, oh, but I, I wanted it too. So we went out there and I think it was like an incline bench. Um, and I think it had a max of 110 pounds. So like <laughs> that's all I ever used or we would just take, we didn't know how much, it was like the, the weird um, gray plates and brown plates and like i couldn't really see the numbers yeah so we just put it on there and (laughs) do whatever. so like it was just i don't know that's kind of what i played around with for a while and then once i got to middle school i was like all right look i just want to get stronger so my freshman year i didn't go out for sports i just stayed in the weight room for like the entire year and that's like when i like blew up i was like oh wow i'm i'm really strong in my head that's what i thought but like i think it was like a buck 50 maybe benching like maybe 165 maybe um probably lighter than that honestly and I don't really know what my squat was but my squat was always pretty decent and then we deadlift on like the hex bars oh so yeah, I, yeah. I, I always hated deadlifting man it was just one of those things I was just <laughs> never really good at and I thought I think it was because I was never really truly taught proper form so that's why I always hated it because I knew it always felt
0: wrong how, how did you and get the full, form at this point? Like when you first started around this age, like did you in your squatting and benching, did you have technique? Did you know like low bar and the setup? Or like how did you come across that at this point? I knew
2: absolutely, I knew absolutely nothing. Oh, wow. I just it was just a football team training. So I went in there with them that freshman year. I did whatever I saw touch and go on the bench. I don't really know if my butt came up, I'm pretty sure it did. Yeah. Like I have no idea. I really can't remember, but I just know that's I did what I saw. Yeah. Um, but in terms of squatting, I've always been a decent squatter. Um, I've seen old film of me squatting, and it was definitely a little bit high. But when I got to college, all that like definitely changed. And as I got older, um, it was always seduct. But other than that, was really it for the most part. Uh, in terms of like training. So, like, I've always ha- I've always been cut. I've always been fit. A lot of that started when we would work with my dad. Um, and he, again, my dad was really never around during the time I was growing up. But whenever we would, you know, work with him, he would come pick us up and we would do, uh, we would just walk around with a bunch of, like, blocks and bricks and just help him. Because he had his own, um, he was, a, he had his own bricklaying um, company. So that's what he would do. And we would just do that. So I was cut from that. But he always felt, me or my oldest brother would take over, and I was like, nah, this isn't what I want to do. Like, I don't want to do this all day. This is
0: boring.
2: Yeah. It's, yeah so that's not kind of how fitness started for me.
0: And, and so in high school, were you playing sports? Like, how, how tall are you? I'm 5'6". Because you so. look extremely thick for an 83 kilo. <laughs> yeah. Like, how much do you walk around at, roughly?
2: I walk around at 195. Oh, wow. Um, when I am... Months and I mean months, like six plus months out from competition. I'll try to get up to two hundred, but it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, um, it just doesn't feel good. I don't feel like I look good, and I don't like it. <laughs> so one ninety five is decent. Being one ninety two to one ninety three, I like that's a good look for me. Um, so the water load from there is nothing. It's 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 pretty simple. And then um, so uh, I did play high school sports. So my sophomore year is when I started football again. And I played running back, and I think in high school, they'll put you anywhere. So I think I played defensive line or something. I don't, I don't know. Uh, so I did running back there, and then from there, I moved on and did track. I had a coach. His name was Trent Sanders. I mean, this man was an absolute genius. Uh, he was a great guy. I mean, he – and bless his heart, he's, 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 he's gone now, but uh, he was a really, really, really big guy, like super – like. Big, and I think it was like a medical uh, issue, but he was smart. I mean, he knew how to train you and teach you without moving. Like it was, it was the greatest thing ever. I like, I couldn't imagine. I, I just couldn't. I was like, how? Like, how is he doing? This? You, you mean but, big as uh, it?
0: Was he big as in like 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 a, a fat dude or Jack?
2: Yeah, no, no like a fat dude. <laughs> he was a fat
0: dude. Like, how big are we talking?
2: Uh, Trent was big, man. I mean, I but, he was huge,
0: but like three fifty.
2: Uh, I probably more like if he, if he, if he sat on the bus, he would take a whole seat. Like it was Trent. Oh, okay. Okay. Like, but he was a, he but he was a great coach. We yeah. won. Um, he, he coached track head coach track and we won the, uh, county championship three years running. Oh. Um, so it was, it was int- I don't know how he did it. So man, he, knew a- he knew his stuff.
0: He knew his stuff. He,
2: he knew his stuff. Like, he, he really did. And that's what I loved about him. And, and then uh, he also, like, I guess you could say he was a, a, definite, a definite role model for me in terms of, like, I was captain of certain teams, like, football and, and track. But no matter what, he wasn't, like, super, like, hard on me, like me, but, like, hard on me as in, don't let the water get the water you get. It. You be the last person on the bus. You make sure everyone's got everything. Like, and he would always tell me those things. And I... I would always, I'm a good athlete, so I listen, right? Because I believe there's a purpose behind every action. Mm. Um, So I'm like, all right, great, I'll do this. But it was a learning experience for me um, Mm. in terms of that and leadership.
0: They say um, oftentimes, especially like boys, collect father figures in your life. And you can have several. At certain points in time usually that's why like a lot of uh boys gravitate towards sports and oftentimes your coach whether it's like a wrestling coach football coach whatever start becoming these father figures to you and because often like sports so much character development comes through sports you know what i mean like there's always so many takeaways that apply to more than just the bait like the the sport itself you can apply it to life like what you put in you get out or whatever right and um oftentimes like yeah you 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 see these kind of cycles. Like, would you was this guy more of a father figure for you at this point in time?
2: Uh, in the beginning, no. But as it neared uh, my end of sophomore and junior and senior year, definitely, um, he was definitely that. And I had definitely two more. Um, so there's a guy named Johnny Mack. Now this guy was jacked. Like this guy was huge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But he he ended up coming in and he saw a lot of potential in me and said, "Hey man, I'm going to teach you how to properly train and get you on these programs and uh, get you get you right for college because you can play college ball. I know you can." And I so I allowed him to come in and kind of like take over from there with all of that. And then there was another guy who uh, uh, who's, who's passed, but he was more of like um, he was just another guy who like kind of like got us on our my family on a religious path in a sense. Sure. Um, but yeah, so that. I think I collectively got three growing up, which is definitely what I needed, um, and it kept me kept kept my head on straight.
0: Um, so, so the Johnny Mac guy, the programming he was giving you, was it like who started teaching you the proper forms in terms of squatting and and like I you know weight proper weightlifting? When did that come around?
2: Uh, probably my junior year, so maybe when I was like seventeen. Yeah. Um, so from fifteen to seventeen is when I think I started actually lifting properly, Um, and he was the one who came in. I mean, this dude was just like, Jack, I'm like, man, good God, how would you get like this? And I'm Jack, but I'm doing whatever I'm doing, quote-unquote, Jack. So uh, he kind of just got me on, like, the basic stuff, like pyramid programs, like uh, 12, 10, 8, and, like, all the way down with, like, bench and stuff like that, and um, squatting. We did um, a lot of that, but I don't think he really liked squatting, but I did um, and then deadlifting. so he kind of gotten on the right track. but even then I think he uh, it was stuff that he had learned and collected over time. Um, so I mean it was just kind of like just doing what what we knew um, instead of like, you know I, I never studied anything about training you know other than the magazines and stuff I saw.
0: Yeah yeah. see, I remember for myself when I first got into powerlifting. I thought like benching, a new benching, squatting, whatever. And then when you get into powerlifting and you understand how technical it is with like the bar path and all the levers that go into your body and the fulcrums of every lever and like, you know, the placement of your feet, your hands, you know, the whole the whole nine, right? The knees tracking over the feet and um, like you, you, you understand. you like, man, I didn't know shit. Like when I first started, you really don't. It's like overwhelming almost, right? And uh, people like video analysis of your lifts and like, really breaking it down um so when i fir- and really it's when i first started power lifting i started figuring that out did you before even powerlifting? like were any of these coaches showing you proper setup in terms of squat and bench or was it kind of like you lay down flat you bench you get under the bar you squat or was there a little bit of an idea in terms of what you should be doing with the lifts
2: well i don't really remember any of any of that like any of the, like, I I remember being told how to do things, but I don't really remember any of the technical stuff that I know now. I don't remember any of that. I think my body, luckily, like, I just know what feels right, Mm. and I think I was just doing the movements as best as I could within the motions that I could without hurting myself, Um, but I think my college coach started implementing, like, this is how you're supposed to do it, and he would, like, yell at me. He he, would, man, that man was a lunatic like we love them though um so my strength conditioning coach in college would like implement and teach us a little bit better and how to do things so that's why i started learning more of uh never anything about bar path though i never anything about bar path or or using your your legs or like driving it like nothing like specific to powerlifting that i ever learned that in football mm-hmm. it was mostly like you put this shit on your back you squat it like yeah. and you just get up like, you're like just men handling
0: things. You see videos of, like, um, like the football teams hitting, like, squats and stuff. And, dude, it gets fucking wild in there. Like, it's some of those football, like, it gets wild, but they have, like, a max test day, and the whole team is in the room, and everybody's hooped and hollered. <laughs> yeah. It is intense. Was that what it was like? A-
2: absolutely. We had really? such a dirty fucking gym. Yeah. Like, God dang. It was, Um, okay. in college, we, like, I came in, like, it's so crazy because like I think we built the back. Like we were the backs that worked that built our team, our football team, to get everything that they have now, which is like, oh my God, they gotta save it on everything. We came in, we had like the dirty iron plates, like you would touch it, rust would come off. <laughs> uh the floors were stinky and dirty, like you would sweat the whole floor, it would just be disgusting. It was nasty, but it was it was the it it was the gym. It was where you came to work. Like yeah. we loved it. And it like had this like little like slant so like whenever we would go inside the gym we would like run down this slant and it was kind of cool because you're like running down and running into the gym with all this music and all these like dudes just lifting and it was just like that so whenever it was test day like i was the biggest squatter in the room at like 175 pounds in college so it was like it was just like oh my god people would just rally behind you and scream and i at the time i was definitely still a deep squatter um but like it was just crazy like people were i don't know man It's just the feeling is overwhelming sometimes um so that that was definitely an exciting
0: feeling you see those you see those videos it's literally like 20 dudes circled around you while you're squatting and like yelling in your face let's go like 20 people and if you hit that squat they're all like <laughs> celebrating like it's, it was it's so intense how often would you guys do test days by the way
2: not too often. I don't remember doing test days a lot. That's why it was always so exciting when we did. Yeah. And like I had this like uh this this belt. I don't know where I got it from, but I ended up getting this belt with. I don't even know what it's called. Um, I'm sure you probably do. It's an old school belt. It's like black and it's got like the little pad in the back of it. Um. But yeah, I
0: like the bodybuilder style belts that like don't yeah. do anything. They're okay. like, yeah, they don't do nothing for you. Yeah, I know what you mean.
2: It was the first time I squatted 600 and. Uh, and after I did it, the whole gym erupted. And like I wore the belt like it was like I wanted to fucking WWE gym <laughs> so, I'm just walking around circling the circling the fucking gym like I like I'm the man, you know? Yeah. But uh
0: so you yeah. hit you hit six hundred pounds at when you were weighing in front of you like buddy listening from like Europe 272 kilo when you were hundred and seventy five pound body weight?
2: Uh, one seventy to one. Yeah, yeah. No, this was one seventy five at the time I was a junior, um, in college. So roughly twenty, twenty one.
0: And how was like the football? Was it banging you up? Like that's fairly. well like this is college ball, so it's fairly high level. No. Yeah.
2: And
0: was it? Would it bang you up? Like in terms of like injuries and what that was doing your body? Like, how into football were you? Were you Were you thinking at the time football is my sport, and you weren't even thinking about other sports at the time, or?
2: Well, no. Um, so football was actually a journey to get to. Um, so, cause after high school, like I did, I also did wrestling too, just to kind of add something in there. And I wrestled at 152 to 160. Um, so after that, this new coach came in and um, he would say, Hey, you need to go look at this school called Chuan. It's like two hours from here. Um, I know all the coaches there. We can get you on the team. So eventually I called out and they was like, Nope, not looking for anyone. Bye. And that's exactly what I got. And I was like, oh, shit, I'm not playing football. But before that, it was all about grades. And I think that's what hit me hard was because, again, we're still searching for a purpose in life at this point still. Um, And um, I think even with high school sports, I almost almost wanted to quit because, like, I would never have a ride home. Um, And because I would live, like, 20, 25 minutes away from the school, and no one wanted to take me home. And my mom would, again, work two jobs. So whenever yeah. she got off from work, I'm at practice. So she'll go home and go to sleep and forget about me. So it was like, it was just kind of tough at that point. So I'm like, I, what am I going to do? But when I had the opportunity to, to uh, go to the, to, to visit, um, I don't know why, but my mom got off her high horse and just took me down there. You know, she's a great woman, by the way. But, you know, she gets tired. I get, yeah, yeah, she's you know, I get it now. Yeah. So she took me down there and um, my grades weren't the best. Again, because I, I didn't have anyone really there helping me with anything. Um, I didn't really understand anything and people just kind of like talked it up to like, oh, it's just another you know stupid kid, I guess I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so when I went down there, you know, I met a lot of the people. Um, it was an, it was an amazing school. The whole theme was yeah. you're you're not a number, you're a name and they got to in, meet everyone individually. So it was one of those schools where like I sat down, uh, and we talked, and they're like, "Dude, you're oh my god, you're you're so passionate about life and and things, and we we want to get you here." But what's going on here, you know? So I had a I had a one point one point eight at the time, and in, in high school as a senior, and um, they're like, we, I, "What what are we gonna do here?" And I was like, I, "What is that? Like, what is the what's the GPA, you know?" And it was just like, "It's a great point average." I was like, "Okay, cool. What is that? No. It's like, this is like, you, you know." So I was at that. <laughs> at that level. By no means was I were I stupid or anything. I just didn't really apply myself. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what they pointed to me there. And that was early on um, in the in the beginning of the year. So when I came back, right before football season started, um I told my coach, hey, I'm sitting after school every single day to make up all my grades for all of these classes. That I've either got a D in or an FN. And it was like um and it was so funny because like you would think they were back you, but I don't think I got the support I, I needed. But I did it anyway. Every single day from the beginning of my senior year to the end, um, I got the required GPA, like the bottom line of what they could possibly potentially accept um, without like scholarships or anything. And uh, it was rough. But like I stayed after school every single day and I made it work. And I did the fast completely by myself. I just told my mom, I was like, give me all your information. Let me do it. Didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I ended up doing it. Um, didn't really get any scholarships. Uh, so, and that's kind of how like I transitioned to, um, changing my mindset from like football's not the end all, you know, like there's a life outside of here. That's way bigger than that. Mm-hmm. So what I have to apply myself. And when I did, Sean finally accepted me on conditional, it was a conditional acceptance and I had to sound like this agreement or whatever, you know, after the first semester, man, I got like a 3.0 or something. And I was like, I'm not fucking stupid.
0: Yeah. Like,
2: I know what I'm doing. I'm gonna apply myself, I'm good. But before that, there was this uh, convocation conversation that we had and the head coach of the football team was speaking there. I was like, this is my time, I'm gonna I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna shake his hand, I'm like, my name's Jamar, I'm gonna look at him in the face. Yeah. And I'm like, I wanna play football. <laughs> But when he came out, he met with his family, and I was like, this is not the right time
0: to do this. <laughs> it was, yeah. This, you're thinking like a movie-style moment about to happen. This guy's with his family. Oh, Chill.
2: dude. Some, something off Remember the Titans or something. I just had this feeling. In Remember time. the Titans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He <laughs> needs me. But no, it wasn't like that at all. So I just I just let it go by, man. And I just walked some walk away, and I was like, damn, that was my opportunity. You know, because they already turned me down once. So I walked all the way to the football center, which was like a few miles away from the school. I walked all the way down there. I knocked on a door, crackled voice. And I'm like, it's, it's the head coach here. And uh, one of the guys just pointed to the back. And uh, once he spoke, I heard, not the head coach. Once this guy spoke, I was like, that's the guy who said no to me. I was like, I know who it is because he had a very distinctive voice. So You'll never forget back. that
0: voice. you never forget that no. <laughs>
2: I've never. So I walked to the back and uh, he was like, yes, just like that. And I was like, hey. My name's Jamar. Um, I have you for a weight training class. Just wanted to shake your hand and let you know that I'm willing to do anything to be on the team. Like, I, w- I will do whatever you need, and I will do wherever it takes, and I will prove to you time and time again that I am, I am worth it. And uh, he just looked at me up and down. He goes, all right, I appreciate that young man. You know, like, uh, he kind of asked a little bit about me, and then he was like, all right, we'll, we'll keep you in mind. Luckily, again, I had his class that semester, so, like, I'm just trying to show out benching and squatting and just doing everything I possibly can that following semester for spring, um, I'm in a, I'm in the uh, cafeteria and like you know we're eating. There's a good time going on. I think we're doing like some some type of uh, some type of something, something that the schools do. I don't know. Um, something's going on. There's music playing. All of a sudden, this like coach comes from behind me and like taps me on the shoulder and like hits like sends me a card like just puts it in my hand and goes call coach place and walks away. And I'm like, oh my god, this is this is it. This. This is the moment, yeah. you know, like I'm shaking. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So I called him the next day and I was like, hello. And he goes, and he's just, he remembers me. He goes, hey, this is head coach in place. Um, so, you know, what do you want? Running back or uh, outside safety? I was like, what? He goes, "What do you want to start? I was like, start. Uh, okay. not start, but like, where do you want to play? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was
0: like, <laughs> r-
2: yeah. not start, because like, that's, that's extreme. So yeah. I was like, uh, running back, of course. And he said, "Meet me. Meet us here at this place." Uh, Anyway, he gave me all the details for spring ball. And just to sum it up, like I I remember walking in, and God, if you know anything about football, everybody's a damn running back. Oh, everybody, (laughs) everybody's a running back. So like, I walk into the room, and like, goddamn, the whole like room was full of people for running backs. I was like, this ain't it, fam. So like, I ended up switching to outside safety cuz like the the time frame for starting and playing was quicker than being a running back cuz you know how that cycle goes. Um, yeah. Of course like if you're great you're great. I was an okay I was an okay athlete. I wasn't the best athlete or the the worst athlete. I was an okay athlete, but I was one of the hardest workers in the room and you can never deny that. Um so I ended up playing and starting earlier Uh, Than I did if I would have been at running back. So that's kind of how that worked, Um, and that's how that football stuff happened.
0: Isn't it funny how you had that one realization where? So when you were in high school and you you didn't really have like direction, anyone pushing you, keeping you on track, um, not necessarily knowing that you had to do it yourself. And then when so your your GPA was like one point eight, and then when you were like, man, I gotta, almost like playing catch up. You're like, I gotta turn this around. And then when you started hustling and started grinding on your own and just making it happen, boosted up to a 3.0 and you're like, fuck me, I'm not. Like that whole time, it's like that realization afterwards, like, I'm not dumb. Like how many people, how many people do you think like could easily drift through? And because nobody sits them down and works with them, and if you don't know any better, they might actually think they're dumb. They might actually think like, I'm not special. I'm not smart enough. I'm not enough. Or they might even have people telling them they're not smart, telling them they're not good enough, and they just believe it so they don't apply. And then, you know, so I mean, you could see how it actually happens, right? Like those cycles. And then, thank God for yourself, in time, before it was too late, you were like, hang on a second, let me give a go. Like, I my time is right now, it's not over yet, it's not too late yet. And you were probably right at that line, man. If you were, you know, if you let that slip, and you just believed, right, like some people got parents or whoever in their lives that actually are like tell them negative shit and you know, or, or whatever, whatever around in their life. And um, so the fact that you could actually pull it around like let me give this, let me give this a shot. Even if it's just me and no one's trying to encourage, let me figure this out. And then when you have that realization you're like, holy shit, like I'm, I'm not a dumb guy. Like I can make this, it's one of those realizations like if I grind hard, I can, who knows? Who knows, man, if you just did that by yourself, if you had the right person beside you, you know, pushing you, all of a sudden it's that realized things start clicking. I've had those moments as well in my life where like, you pro- I think everyone has to an extent where yeah. you're like, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to happen. And nobody's there telling you it could happen. Nobody's giving you a pathway. Nobody, and you're like, how do I get from A to B? How does this work? And then once you start grinding and start seeing things fall into place, when you have those realizations, like, hey, man, If I really try, who knows, man? You know, you start, it it just, doors start opening for you.
2: Absolutely. I think I'm very much internal in terms of uh, dedication, motivation, just anything that I need to do, I know I can do it. Um, and it's just it's I'm just driven by my, myself, but also I think a, a good part of that play that plays a good role in my life is things that happen around me, um, my situational circumstances growing up, just seeing these things are motivation in, in, a, in an odd way, for instance, um, grinding to get on a football team and to earn a scholarship to earn my place, you know, that that was motivation to get that to that point. Uh, getting to college and you know getting at the door and saying oh we still need to go over some financial aspects you owe this amount before you can even start school to see my mom sell almost everything we had just to get me in the door and then three jobs so um i had to earn a scholarship and once i did that i also had another job in admissions and then i had another job as like um a telephone a marketer guy or whatever for the school um so I, i like worked three jobs uh, was a resident assistant, you know, and just doing all these things, like, because I know people have sacrificed certain things for me or have been, you know, kind of a, a, a guy or a person in my way to point me in the right direction, not necessarily be there for me, like, all these small things, like, add up, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they are, you know, a, a part of me, and, you know, the people who have been there along the way, whether they've sacrificed a lot or a little, you know, I'm very appreciative of that, and it just keeps me internally motivated to keep going, because, too many people have given up um, certain things or have sacrificed certain things for me mm. in order for me to have. You know, for instance, like I always, for, when it comes to college, I always think about my mom selling all her gold rings and her jewelry Holy and things that she cherished.
0: Shit, man, really. In order
2: for me to like pay to wish pay tuition, you know. So that's for me that like, I was like, I've got to get my, I've got to be the first person in my family to get my degree because of that. Not just because of that, but that was a big part of it. You mm. know, um, just because like she believed in me, and I've never seen my mom give up something of so much value, you know, mm-hmm. for any of her kids and not saying I'm, I'm better than my siblings, because I'm not by no means, but to see her give that up, like it, it was tough, you know? Uh, but yeah, so like, it's, it's just, it's interesting. Like a lot of things that have happened to me over time that have developed me into the character that I am today, you know, and I, I'm very appreciative of those things because who, who knows who, who I would have been without these
0: things. It's cra- it's crazy like your story. You had to mature quick, and, and gain discipline quick, and work ethic quick at a young age. Like if you like time, I mean, you could always go back to school, but you know, sometimes things pass, and those moments pass, and your opportunity passes, and it's like, damn, it's really hard to catch up after the fact. There are people in the opposite situations where, um, you know, they're not necessarily got to grind for these opportunities. You know, they could they they're kind of skating by university is almost guaranteed. They're going to get in. The parents got money for it. They got whatever. And um, it's not the same quite. Like, their experience in university afterwards isn't going to be the same as your experience where you're like, now you know what, what goes into, like, if you grind and you work hard, what comes out at the other end. You know, like, it's, it's uh, the, the character development you probably got from that in those formative years. You know, it, it's not as, like, you could see where your work ethic would come from. You know, but you, I, I'm surprised, like, at that age, man, when I think about late teens, early 20s, pff, man, I was nowhere, I don't think I was nearly as disciplined and, um, you know, had that maturity to recognize, like, man, I better pull this up myself, you know, with nobody else trying to try to steer me. Like, even even your mom helping you out like that, she might, like, want to help but not know, like, I, I, don't, I haven't gone this path, I don't know what you got to do, I don't know, I can't teach you these things, I can't walk you through this. I can, um, I'm just going to do what I can. I'm going to sell everything off. I'm going to put get behind you. But you just got to, we got to almost figure it out together at the same time. Like, that's tough, man. You know,
2: that's exactly what it was. And I think like, after like, I keep, I keep throwing in bones, but like I told you, like that's, that's my life, man. So uh, I think after doing all that and everything you said, it was absolutely what I think uh, she was thinking. Like she didn't know how, but. Hey, let me support him and get behind him because he has a vision, he has a goal. I don't know what it is, and I'm sure he's trying to figure out, but the best thing I can do is help. And I really felt like she may have had that mindset. And I know, like, and this is so crazy, but like a couple of, year, couple of years, a couple of weeks into my, and this is not too long after my mom sold a bunch of stuff. So a couple of weeks into school, my, um, my, my first niece passes away. Uh, so that was like, that derailed my family completely. And I think they kind of like, like fell off. Uh, for a bit, and, like, the only way I was able to cope was to get back to school and work and grind and football and work for tuition to pay it off, if I can, Mm -hmm. uh, for the semester, like, and that's, I didn't really deal with it for a while, you know, because it's just, like, there's just so much that's going on, but kind of going back to what you said, like, anybody in my situation could have gone either way, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's never any telling the, it could have been something big or small that could have like put them in the right direction. Like you, you never know. And those who are more fortunate, you know, that's just the lifestyle they were blessed in. You right. know, and I don't, I don't dislike anyone any more or less, or respect them any more or less, right? It's all about what you do. It's all about who you are, what you say, your actions. Like they speak so much to me, right? So, for instance, like I appreciate the small shit, Ryan. Like I appreciate the simple fact that I can choose what I want to eat for breakfast. Like I have that option. Not like, damn, all we have is eggs and peanut butter. Like you got it. You got eat This is all you can eat. No, it's like, oh shit, I can have Kodiak cakes. You know, I have, I have all this variety anyway. I can eat all of this. I can have egg whites. I can have uh, Chipotle if I want to. Like I have. so those are the things that I appreciate more so than anything, you know, like the small stuff. And I think that really matters in the long, in the long game because at the end of the day half the shit that we go through and like all the like stuff that you see on social, none of that social media, none of that stuff matters. Like yeah. it really doesn't. Like it's about people, family and like yourself and you know, your goals and whatever, whatever drives you. You know, that's just I mean that's my philosophy, that's what I believe and I'm all about inspiring a stronger you and I'm sure you see like my hashtags and then like so that that hashtag means so much to me, and that's like my motto, like inspiring a stronger you. But also, like I came up with a double entendre with inspiring a hungry you, like stay hungry, right? Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I want
0: I want to talk about um, your sponsorship, but um, to snow snowball on what you're saying, I know what you mean. We're like social media lasts like some people are so into whatever they're doing throughout the day, they got to take a picture and they're thinking this will be good for social media. And they're taking a pic if they're out for dinner or whatever the heck. And that's fine. But it isn't like um, you can't live in that moment where you just post it and it's it's like a second, like a snapshot and then people read it and it's not really you. It's not really how you feel. You just put something in there you think is motivational or whatever. But I know what you mean. We're like, you can get wrapped up on it and start thinking about things that don't really matter in your life, day-to-day life you know what i mean like a lot most of those people don't know you 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 know like the yeah. people in yeah. your actual life your your actual physical life you see in your day to day and um and sometimes you can get wrapped up on worrying about what people think about you what your image is and shit but it's like man you can't that's not real as either you can't you can't do anything with that What someone else thinks about you doesn't affect your day-to-day. They're they're, they're just online. When you click online, you can read a comment, but your day-to-day, it won't matter if they like you, don't like you, whatever. When you're at your job, when you're moving around those skids in the morning, 700, none of that shit matters. But your day-to-day has nothing to do with that. And that's where I know you mean where it's it's like a careful balance, right, where you need it. Because um, if you're grinding, you want to open up. Whether you're doing a business, you're doing coaching, or, or whatever, mm-hmm. it's it's a part of it. But you also don't want to lose yourself in that and um, and get too caught up in it. Either which way, people who say they love you on social media don't actually love you because they don't really know you. People who say they hate you yeah. on social media don't actually hate you because they don't really they don't really know you. So you got to like accept both. If you're gonna yeah. tell yourself you're a hater, and I'm gonna dismiss your hate. Because you don't really know me, you also have to be humble enough to be like, I can't tell myself all these people love me because they don't really know me either. So it's a stay humble, Stay in between yeah. to be like, reckon. you know what I mean? That's difficult sometimes for some people where you can be like, look it, man, you know, there, there's a balance going on here. But um, yeah, I think you got, it sounds like you got a bit of a head on your shoulders, probably from your background and upbringing though, where you realize... I mean, but um, right. uh, how did you, so how did this, uh, well, well, first off, we'll get into also how you ended up finding powerlifting, but you got a sponsorship with <laughs> Kodiak <laughs> Cake, which I've never in my life heard of. And it. It, it, on the surface, you'd be like, how does that work with a powerlifter? But uh, how did that come about? And how did you turn into the pancake god? Or should, uh, should 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 so, we go into uh, how you, should we um, go into how you met powerlifting first, or you, you let you let I'll let you tell the story. Which way is probably the best way to introduce that? All right, I can
2: do. Uh, I'll do. So basically, um, before powerlifting, um, I got back into the whole fitness world because after college football, I took two years of nothing, like absolutely nothing. Desk job. Uh, it was a good job, but I just like. Was not motivated to do anything after a while. Like, my back was hurting, my neck was hurting. I had a back and neck injury from football. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, I would work out, and after a workout, I would lay down on the ground for 30 minutes because I couldn't move. That's how bad the, the the back and neck injury was. So, I was like, fuck it, I'm done. I don't want to lift anything. I'm just done. So, I went from like 170 to 215. Oh, so I, dang, I at 5'6, wow. So I gained a lot of weight. But anyway, after a couple of years I ended up losing it, getting back into the whole uh fitness side of things and uh like my back was still aching, but I was like, I just gotta grind through it. This isn't anything new, let's do it, right? And then eventually my back my back got better, lost all the weight, got down to like 198, um, and it was feeling good, looking good. Um then I started like lifting more weights because I was doing more conditioning and bodybuilding work. And I started doing more power compound movements. And then um, I started doing all these like fun challenges on Instagram. just to keep me motivated, I just needed a place to put that platform. I uh, put it on a platform. And so, I would post like my lifting videos and things like that. And it was just more bodybuilding stuff. Then I would go on the bodybuilding.com like Instagram and see what challenges they were doing. I would jump in it. So, there was this one, and it was like a 30 days of fit challenge. And they would give it money. I was like, shit, you can win money by just posting stuff. All right, let me go ahead and get into this. So the 30 Days of Fit Challenge had a few days uh, that every day was a challenge. And one of the days was like Tasty Treat or something like that. And I was like, all right, cool. Um, What can I do? So you had to use one of their products. So so I used a protein product, which is protein powder. I think it was like vanilla. I don't don't really know. I was like bodybuilders or people who who live in a society where you can't eat carbs love low-carb shit. So uh, let's do a low-carb pancake. So I did bananas a scoop of protein and eggs or something like that. And I made it like this it was like kinda of flat, but like a really like it was still a pretty stack, but it's like really flat. So it's I was like a like crepe a stack of
0: pancake. Almost like huh? a crepe. See I've experimented trying to do like low carb stuff too and like protein pancakes. Dude that can go really right and you hit it or really wrong. Really and you're like what the shit am I eating? Like I've done both, but I know what you mean.
2: Yeah, and that's uh that was back in I think twenty sixteen. And um, so I ended up winning and I was like, holy shit, I won. So they sent me like $500, uh, a pancake, uh, not pancake, uh, a protein powder and some other stuff. I don't know. So that's kind of how it like picked up. So I was like, all right, well, shit, let me do just do more of these just for fun. I've always been creative in terms of like cooking. I, I love cooking. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's very uh, therapeutic for me. Um, I don't know. So it's very therapeutic for me, and um, so uh, then from lifting, I was like, well, now I will have a, a different different avenue to like reach people with food. So let me just start making more food stuff. So then I got into uh, uh, this other gym where I was working out at. I was squatting like uh, five fifty at the time, um, no knee sleeves, uh, not, just no gear, no nothing. You know, I had I think I had a belt, maybe I didn't. I don't really know. And um, there was this guy at the time, um, he was a, a local coach, his name was Griff, uh, his name is Griff, uh, and uh, he came up and was like, I think he saw me squat or heard out I squatted a lot, he goes, how would you like to break some records? And you know, that's kind of kind of how he approached it, and I was like, what are you talking about, man? And then he was just like, yeah, he goes, there's this work, you know, powerlifting, there's a meet coming up, and like. I think it was like maybe seven weeks or something i don't know and he goes yeah you can just come out here squat bench and deadlift and you know this is how it's gonna work can't remember the exact conversation but i just remember going i have not deadlifted in years like this shit is gonna suck so i was like yeah, yeah i'm all about it so he pulls up the records and this is uspa um and it's like untested. So he pulled up the records, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that might be a little hard to reach, um, but it looks really good. And this is for, like, the 198 class. That's a total of my body weight. And I was like 198, 198 on a dot at this time. And um, I was like, okay, cool, cool. And I looked at the weight class below, and I was like, those are a little bit more attainable. I was like, all right, cool. Well, let me give it some thought. I went back home, and I looked up the drug-tested stuff for USBA, and I was like, I got all this shit. I can I can, I can squat that. I can bench that and da-da-da. Yeah. Um, but not knowing at the time that cutting weight down to that would affect my strength the way i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you how i did it now um so <laughs> i'm very cool but i had uh so at this time i started prep and i think we we're like maybe five weeks a little over five weeks i mean a little over four weeks and i dude i cut all my calories
0: oh like no 14
2: 1500 calories um, oh i did what? You're... every single day 14 to
0: 1500 calories is all you were eating oh <laughs> Dude, you wouldn't have the strength to make a fist. That is no. terrible. Oh, no. I, mean,
2: <laughs> I'm, I wasn't the smartest. Um, but I was like, I know how to cut weight fast, and this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it wasn't the smartest. Uh, and then I did conditioning again every day. And um, I think I sauna like every day just for fun. Because oh, I, I just enjoyed this time. So I ended up weighing in at um, 178, I think. Oh, damn. Um, you
0: were lighter than you needed to be. Oh, wow. Dude, but you you would have been like, like, sound like you're training for a bodybuilding show. You probably look pieced up. Yeah. <laughs> if and nothing else. I was. I,
2: was, I was lean. I yeah. was super lean. And so uh, now, meet day comes. So, you know, in usba Oh, so like, yeah, I told him, I said, like, oh, yeah, I saw the record for the drug test at one. I'm going to pay for the drug test because I want that. He goes, uh okay. Okay, cool. So the drug test was extra, but I don't know. It's so funny. Like, I'm at the time, I think it was like maybe 25, 26. I can't really remember, but I just remember this 2017, January 7th, my birthday was a couple of days after. So I was like 25. And, um, I was, I'm very, um, I guess I just believe that the world is good in terms of like no one doing drugs. I didn't think that was a thing. Like I really didn't believe it was a thing. So, um, I was just like, yeah, I'm going to take this drug test. I was like, I don't know why, why why, this wasn't the first thing you said to me. Um, so I ended up doing it, paying for the drug test, and um, the meet day comes. <laughs> and I go up for my first squat, and it was like five, 500, 505-something. And I, bu- I bombed that shit, man. I got I dropped it. I was like, oh, fuck. it's my first time training on the squat bar, and I'm my first time competing on the squat bar in kilos. And it was just heavy. it was heavy so like they got it and he was like you're right I was like yeah I'm good now I just I felt it I'm okay (laughs) so I go back for my second attempt get it and I'm like great and then the third attempt the record at the time was like 530 something I don't know but I like maybe chipped it or something it was like 535 so I split at 535 in my third attempt Again, no knee nice sleeves. I just bought a belt like a week before. This is Didn't this, really this is either.
0: amazing. You could do this off the calories you had in you. Like I thought, <laughs> this is crazy. But keep going, keep going.
2: <laughs> and then, I, well, well, since it's USB, you get a twenty-four hour And So luckily, I get to eat, you know, a lot um, before. But still, still it, I know I, it like
0: a month of not eating is bad. But okay, <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> So
2: So uh, so after so I got two of the squats, and then I broke. I got the national record, which was great. And then my bench was, it was okay. I think I hit like 341. And then my deadlift was like 545. So maybe 10 pounds. Uh, so like five kilos, not five kilos. What is it? Five. Uh, yeah, like five kilos over. Uh, yeah. Like five kilos over my my squat. So, I mean, that's kind of what that was. But it was, it was a great introduction of powerlifting for me. It was fun. It was in the area. Like friends came and saw me. Um, it was really cool. And I was like, wow. This is another platform I can add to what I'm already doing to inspire people. Mm-hmm. Um, so like at this point, I'm like, I'm finally now at 20, going on 26, finding my purpose in the circle, um, you know, nutrition and food and, and inspiration and powerlifting, right? Because it gives me all these different, different avenues to, to speak to people mm-hmm. and to inspire people on these levels. So, and that's kind of how it started. And then, yeah, so if you have any questions that need. You...
0: Well, well, so yeah, yeah, for sure. So from there, you had your first competition and it sounds like in terms of programming wasn't there yet. Nutrition, you were, you know, just slashing calories and, and hope for the best. How did you go from that in the USPA to come over to the USAPL and get your education on like programming? Cause you're programming for yourself. And now I'm assuming nutrition's on point. You're hitting 300 kilo for triples. So you, you definitely, you know, you got your food in, intake. And so how do we go from there? And also um, that sponsorship for the, uh, for the pancakes. Yeah. So
2: um, I, I had programming from Griff um, up into the meat and then he ended up programming for the year. Well, for half the year. Um, and powerlifting, in USB, on the USB side of things, for half the year. So I did, like, two more meets with him. And then I ended up switching to uh, Barbara Lee. Miss Barbara Barbie on Instagram. Uh, I ended up switching to her, and then she forgot for me for a while after that. Um, so in between then, I was, like, still doing my thing with, like, um, so I ended up getting a nutritionist, but, like, still more of the bodybuilding side of things, just because, like like, I don't want people to tell me how to be great. I'm going to tell you how I'm going to be great. Right. And how I'm going to be great is how I'm going to do whatever it is that I want to do. And you can't deter me from that. I've been to, I've been through too much to know what I want and what I don't want. So I still want to like be super lean and fit. Right. Because I didn't know if I if, if Power was going to continue for me. I didn't know if I wanted to go on stage and do a bodybuilding show, which I've never done. Um, but luckily, powerlifting has been very dominant, um, and it's going to continue to do that. Um, so I, got, I hired a nutritionist to understand food a little bit better. And after that, I just kind of took over from there myself and just kind of slowly up my calories and um, just kind of got my weight up. And then understanding water loading and the process of that a little bit better. Barbara helped with that a lot. So then that helped me be a little bit more confident and gaining more weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing that I could cut a little bit and then water load uh, 5% of my body weight. So, um, and that's, that's a safe call for you, for, for me, for USAPL. Um, so then and here's the thing, like Kodiak Cakes still hasn't come yet. This is just me still doing what I'm doing. I'm eating Kodiak Cakes here and there, but, you know, not posting as much and things like that. So a couple of meets go by, I did, I think four meets that first year. And then, uh, my first meet comes up for USP, USAPL and this was in March. Fun fact. Um, so We went, so 2017, I believe, was it 17? No, 2018, March, Um, Arnold, this is when I first meet Russell, right? And I believe he's come on here before, and he said something, and I I have to clear this one up, because this is definitely not what I said. So I think he had said, yeah, yeah, I've met met Jamar before, Pancake got before, and um, he was like, yeah, I'm coming for that spot, and I was like, yeah, all right, cool, Oh, was that remember, on this definitely. show he said
0: that? I think I remember was that it he on King of Lips he said that?
2: Yeah, that was on your podcast. I think I remember
0: yeah. this. I, wow, yeah. this is a crazy way by playback, but okay, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I, I pay attention to it a lot and I keep up with a lot. Um, but I'm like I'm super busy though, so I don't really talk a lot. But um so I heard that, I was like, oh okay. You know, for me like I like it because it's just it's Russ has a really great mindset. Um and he he's doing a lot of amazing things and I, I like the way he thinks. Um but I remember being there and I was like, I want to meet every competitor that I'm gonna compete against because where they are now is where I'm gonna be next year. Mm -hmm. And I haven't even done a USAPL meet, but I truly believe in affirmations and I'm gonna get everything I say I'm gonna get. So I met Russ and I was like, Oh, there he is. All right, cool. And I I think I learned about Russ maybe a year after powerlifting or something like that. Um, but anyway, so uh I was like, "Oh, yo, what's up, Russ? My name is Jamar. He's like, "Damn, dude, you're huge!" And I was like, "I was like, bro, you're huge!" And it was one of those like bro things, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then I was like, "Yeah, yeah, man, I'm, I'm bored to compete with you at prime time this year." Again, I haven't even done a USAPL meet yet. <laughs> you know, I haven't even done a two-hour <laughs> weigh-in or whatever. And yeah. you know, I'm pretty sure Russ gets that a lot, or yeah. you know, Russ has probably a lot of haters, so he's probably like, oh, yeah, cool, whatever, man." Like, yeah, let's take a picture. You know, it's kind of like one of those. But I was like, "Oh no." I'm really coming like like I'm I'm going to be there like I know I am like I believe it. I I truly believe that I'm gone so two weeks after that meet the the meet that he had at the Arnold's I compete and I put up a total that solidified my spot for prime time um so leading into the meet um again still Kodiak has not come yet at this point but I'm still doing all this pancake stuff so eventually I end up changing my name way before March to pancake guy because I was doing a lot of the pancakes, people were tagging me a lot, and um, in order to inspire, in my opinion, you've got to have something catchy, right? Like, uh, Sean had Kiss My Arch, now he's hamstring Mm -hmm. Pappy, or Poppy, and then Russ Swole is, I mean, that's just dope, you know? (laughs) Uh, Cool. This is funny, name that I wanted was, like, my Xbox Gamer Tag, because, like, growing up, everyone, like, I was always, like, rips, and people always, like, claimed me to be on drugs. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. So my hash, my, my gamer type on Xbox was Brewster. So that's the name I wanted.
0: Rootster, <laughs> oh, damn. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It, see, if people got it, they it would have been all right. But if people did get it, they think you're like pro steroids. Nah. <laughs> right? Yeah, no. <nah>, nah. <laughs> so like, that's the name I wanted. I was like, that would be so dope. you Everyone's going to hate it. You I'm going to love it. You would get drug tested every single week. <laughs> and I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> yeah,
2: but yeah, come on, just bring it. But so then I was like, all right, let me just find Royster But like, I just wanted my last name something simple, you know. um So that didn't work. So I was like, all right, cool. What am I doing? And what what do I foresee my social media going to? And I was like, oh, I'm gonna just turn this into a food account, you know, because it's kind of like what I like a little bit more powerlifting's okay, you know, and I like to inspire. So I was like, okay, pancake God is catchy, but not G O D let's go G A W D. Cause like, it's, it's funny, but people do say, Oh my God. And like, I was like, all right, yeah, we can use that for like, you know, like for shits and giggles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of how the name change happened. And then um, it kind of stuck after a while, like after, like I started putting up decent numbers, um, and lifts and then like started getting um, a little bit of a little bit of shine here and there a little bit of talk leading into our nationals and then I end up getting injured um this time this exact time last year I mean I end up injuring my back on a deadlift um so I wasn't able to deadlift or really squat um three weeks before the meet so I went in with whatever I had and um I was on I was on track for you know a six thirty nine to six forty ish squat, um, definitely close to four hundred bench, and um, again a little bit over my my uh, squat with my deadlift, uh, but my QL and my back was just so wrecked that like I couldn't stabilize the squat, so I would shake so much while I was squatting, and it was just it was just hell. So I was surprised I even got uh, a PR on my squat. I had a six thirty three squat at that meet. And uh, my bench kind of like shit the bed there, and my dick—it just I just could not pull. It was just too painful. Um, <laughs> so after the meet, now months later, the sponsorship comes. So uh, I've been like doing a lot with Kodiak Cakes at this point, and like everything. If you look at my pages, all aligned, it's food and inspirational photo here and there and then like videos all in one line so you know i just make it super easy for you if you came to the page for food it's there came to the page for some motivation inspiration it's there came to the page for lifting videos fuck it it's there like whatever you want and uh you know we was just like emailing back and forth and just kind of talking on collaborations and things like that and um eventually it's like hey you know this is what we can offer you um we can offer you an athletic sponsorship um and honestly like Kodiak is the best company.
0: So, so how, how did you want to talk So, Kodiak cakes? Uh, how? See, I still can't. It's so crazy for me to think that they're like, this cake company's like, we're going to sponsor this power lifter. Because look, I see the pictures and the, the, the man, the fucking food you make looks absolutely amazing. Like it literally <laughs> makes me hungry every time I see it. Like I can see where it would work. Like I can see now how it would work. It's just like... Um, if I didn't know ahead of time that this was going to happen, you would never have picked a powerlifter is going to get sponsored by Kodiak Cakes. When I go to your, your profile, though, 100%. Because we absolutely love crushing carbs, smashing food, um, and it, it fuels your workouts, and it totally makes sense. And especially like the way you present it too. It's not just dude who made a pancake and took a picture of it. Like those man, it looks like like you know how to to make a setting. You know what I mean? Like that looks good. Like the presentation on it is phenomenal. The food looks phenomenal. These these pancakes look like like a professional, like you see on Master Chef or something. So um, yeah. I can see it now. It's one hundred percent work. <laughs> but were you doing this with before you even were talking to them, thinking? I'm just going to line this up. Like I'm going to go this direction and 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 see what happens, and reach out to them and see what happens. Or, like, did you no, reach out to um, them?
2: I never had the idea of getting sponsored. Um, I don't really care for brands that much. Like if they if they see something in me and they want it, they want me to uh, support their brand or whatever the case is. I like collaborating with people beforehand to see if I like the product or if I if I like the brand and things like that. My idea was to think about sponsorships i would i would like for more people to to not act that way on social media as in you know just constantly supporting and promoting brands just to earn a sponsorship yeah you know what i mean because um, i've got i get a lot of dms like hey how'd you get the sponsorship um put me on things like that and i'm just like stop like not even i did that the, the kodiak case i didn't do anything but post the shit that i like and that i want it for my page and my purposes, again, I enjoy making them. I enjoy doing them, and I wanted people. I wanted people to see it, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how that worked. And they would just like it. They wouldn't really say anything. They would just like it, um, and things like that. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. And then they ended up coming out with like the Kodiak Den, which is an extension of the Kodiak cakes. I, I hate to say it, extension It's all one thing, but it's a it's an area where. People who want to become some type of uh, influencer for Kodiak Kicks can go and sign up and do campaigns with them and things like that and kind of collaborate with them there. So they have that option there. I didn't really join up there. I just kind of like supported that too as well. It's just something I like doing. Um, and it, again, was never the idea of like, I'm going to get sponsored because I never in my in my like whole like time of doing Kodiak would I, I ever think I would get sponsored by them because I didn't think they did that. So it was like a, it was, it was, it was like a personal, um, I think I, I think we were speaking over, uh, Instagram and then it kind of like transitioned to email. So I got in contact with the athletic, uh, portion of the, the Kodiak brand. And, um, we were talking a bit and then he goes, this is what we can do for you. And honestly, man, it's, there's no, the stuff that I post is because I want to post it. They don't, they have never re- required me to do anything for them. They've never asked me to do anything for them other than the s'mores waffles that I did just to promote their waffles, uh, the frozen waffles. Out of the since I've been with them since January of this year, they've never asked me to do anything. They'll if I ask for something they'll send it. Um, no questions asked. Like they're just amazing people, amazing people to work with, and it's just because it's all genuine. They don't ask for anything, and I do it because I want to do it. Isn't
0: life?
1: That's
0: just- <laughs> isn't fucking life crazy, man? You when you were a kid growing up. At a trailer park, you would never know, like, every kid loves cake. You will have more cake than you ever wanted. You make a phone call, and you will have cake every single day. <laughs> you will never go a day without being able to have cake. If you were that six-year-old kid at that trailer park, you're like, God, yeah. damn, life is going to be okay. Life is gonna be okay. But, <laughs> we're, okay. we're all right. You making me want to like start posting fucking chicken wings or some shit and hope yeah, somebody yeah. comes. <laughs> hope somebody comes along and be like, you will get chicken for the rest of your life. And I'm like, damn. it. Because um, that's like winning the lottery, damn, man. man. But uh, wow, man, this is this is a crazy trip. And now and now this time, so they came on in January, and um, and they didn't even really know like. They knew you you were good, and you and you like you're, you're really good presented in terms of onto your social media and whatnot. But leading into this nationals, dude, your training is on fire. Like your your yeah. man, your squats. Look, if everything started aligning when the stars started aligning, when you told Russell a year and a half ago, whatever, you know, I'm coming for you, and you weren't on his radar. Now, and I didn't. You know what? I totally forgot about that story. You just brought that up, and um. We've we've had Russell on a few times, and I forgot that he had said that story at all. And I posted uh, a week ago. Obviously, you would have seen saying, "Is this crazy to say Jamar could out squat Russell?" It's probably not. Like if, if if Russell doesn't get his third squat for whatever reason, like like you know this is it's it's a tighter race than people think. You know these guys like with Jamar the numbers Jamar's putting up. And I 100 percent didn't even like totally forgot at some like a year and a half before you were telling Russell, hey man, going into nationals at some point they're gonna be talking about me. They're gonna be we're gonna be going head to head. And look at a year and a half now. At the time you didn't know who you were. You were just getting started. And uh, look how quickly things can start coming together, man. And uh, mm-hmm. and, and what do you what has been this like? You were always a good squatter, but taking like yeah. six sixty one three hundred kilo for a triple. And and you're handling this weight like you know you got some room to spare. I mean, obviously Russell's a beast when it comes to the squat, but we're like we're in the same ballpark now. You know, like the numbers you boys are putting up are like, you know, it's equivalent to 105ers. Not only 93 kilo, 105ers will be happy with a triple. You know, like like no joke, like the top end guys. Like you 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 fellas at the 83 kilo in the USAPL are smashing some massive massive squats. Um, what's for yourself has been the difference in like the past year? Cause you're really like, it, it, look at people talk about Russell hitting a 700 squat. I could see you hitting a 700 squat, you know, like I could see like, this is getting nuts at this point, you know? So wouldn't the last year has, has been a turnaround? Is it programming? Is it some of the cues you're using for the squat? That's got your squat more on point. Um, just taking it more seriously. What's, what's been the difference you think?
2: It's a a lot. I've also squatted 700 um, on two occasions. I just didn't post one of them. Um, That's also, that's also social media, man. Um, Like everyone's going to post a highlight reel, you know, and that really what it is. And it's great, you know, that people do that. I think it's awesome. But I think what people also don't see is like what goes on to that. Like, I like posting stuff that makes me look like I'm struggling, you know, because that's, in that moment, you find out who you are, you know, under the bar, like, this could kill me at any moment, you know, like, squatting 700, and and it's a grind, or squatting, um, you know, or like, you know, that that 661 was after a a triple before that, you know, above six, you know, so you don't see those things, you only see, like, what, anyway, so uh, I think for me, a, a year ago, like, it's just a lot has to definitely do with programming. I've always had the base. I've always been strong. I just think it was just getting comfortable with power lifting and um, the specifics that go into that. And also studying. I am a constant learner. I am on YouTube a lot. I, again, I do, and I have not stopped. I do a lot of daily uh, development um, each day, like I said, for uh, 15, 20 minutes, sometimes 30 every morning before I post a quote, I'll like post something that just stuck out to me that I'm either thinking about or that I, I listen to. Um, and then that goes there. And then I'll like, you know, watch something in powerlifting. I'll watch like how, um, someone squats benches or deadlifts learn from all different types of people, uh, to try to like understand it in, on, on different angles. And two, as a coach, like it's really important to like learn from a lot of different people, I think. Um, and just try to apply it. Cause you're going to get different types of athletes with different leverages and, what? and, and, and just yeah, what what have you? Uh, so for me, um, a year ago I was on more of a linear program. Um, I think with Barbara, and it was just constantly linear, and and, and I would never hit really anything heavy until close to competition, which didn't really work for my preparedness. Uh, um, so like after the comp, like and the injury, it was a great time to kind of like stop doing stuff and just kind of like focus on what's going to like help me. And for me at the time, it was I had to put a hold on deadlifts because it was just painful. Um, I couldn't, I just couldn't deadlift without pain. And all I did was like, I went into auto-regulating my squats. Um, I was like, all right, well, I can squat. We're going to increase the squat day. So, uh, I posted something on my story one time and Sean O'Reilly comments was like, bro, you've only been squatting once a week for two years. Like what the fuck? And I'm like, yeah. So I'm going to up it to three days. He goes, no, just, just do one, just do an extra day. He goes, don't do any more than that. So I did. So for the past, what, six months or so. I've been squatting for, what, two days, two days a week. Um, so I would do like a pause squat um, one of the days, which would be like later in the week. And then my Monday, I would do my heavier squats. Mm-hmm. And I would just go up for like a, a few singles or doubles or triples, just depending on how my programming aligned. Um, and every other week I would do like a heavy a heavy single or something like that. It just always depends on how I program. And I programmed myself up until that meet in March that I had. And my squats just blew up. I mean, it just I, I just believe I got a little bit more comfortable under heavier loads. Mm-hmm. Um, and also know there's stronger people out there than me is 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 a motivator for me, because I'm not the strongest and I, I wanna be the strongest, but I'm not. So I've gotta grind, I've gotta work hard. And then when I get there, I gotta work even harder to keep it. You know, so I think that definitely helped there. And then um, after the meet, I started programming a little bit and you kind of like get a little demotivated. Um, So I'm training and training and training. And then I've been wanting to reach out to Bryce Lewis for a while, Uh, but I was just like, I don't know. You know, I I don't know how it's going to be going back into coaching, Um, but this meet is super important to me. Um, I've got some really big goals for this meet and I need someone to make sure I get there healthy and things of that nature. So I reached out to Bryce and it was solely just about deadlifting because I know he had um, uh, a back injury or something with his deadlifts at one point and he even took a took time off and not 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 to defend his title so i was like someone like that you know has got to have a, a good mindset about this so i reached out and um he was more than willing to take me on and um eventually it got to a point where again my i'm so busy man like my days are blurred. Sometimes I'm just like working and working and sleeping if I can and like just doing whatever, whenever I can, when I can. So I was like, Hey, you know what, just, just do my programming up until uh, the meet and we can talk about stuff after. Uh, but, you know, it was more of a collaboration in the beginning of like my squats and stuff. So my squats are still RPA and a little bit of percentage based. So I still get, you know, my, my, my own, you know, choosing of my numbers there, which is fun and exciting. Cause I, I like, pushing myself and also knowing when to hold myself back mm-hmm. and because it's okay if you're not able to squat heavy every training session mm-hmm. it's just not not good for everyone it may be for some but not always and then he's completely changed my bench oh my god my bench is in, like drastically changed like I'm I'm benching a lot now so that's exciting I'm excited to see what I put on my platform. Um, there in my day list, we've just been really working on those and just trying to get back comfortable on the, the loads. Um, so, and that's kind of how that's been for the past six weeks, I believe. Um, so, in that, man, I mean, that's just really all that's changed. Um, it's just getting on with Bryce and just auto-regulating my squats at the moment.
0: I I, um... We we kind of train very similar in terms of, like, the pause squats. I absolutely love pause squats, man. And doing, like, a pause squat day. And then another day we can do, like, competition squats, a little heavier weight. I love, like, I think there's something about the pause squat. If you're pausing it. You could mentally take the pressure off, I need certain numbers. Everyone walks in there sometimes with like certain numbers you want to hit. If you don't hit it, you feel like you're not on point or you're not on progress. But sometimes if you throw a variable on that lift, if it's pause the deadlift at the knees, pause at the bottom of the or whatever, you can kind of take off, like you don't have to mentally give yourself, I need certain numbers or else I'm not on point. And it becomes more to the auto-regulation, the RPE, because you're like, well, it's a paw squat day, so I can lighten up a little bit. And then, I mean, in terms of staying in the pocket and staying tight, all the accessories that you need for that, like, I think the pause squat is one of the best things somebody could add into a programming. It's uh, it, but, uh, but anyways, and, and squatting also two times a week. Um, and in terms of the deadlift, have you done anything differently? Like, is it singles or is it like, did he met, change up your, your programming for the deadlifts or how is that feeling?
2: Yeah, um, I'm and I'm also squatting three times a week now.
0: But oh, damn! Uh, with the um,
2: yeah, the, my back is wrecked. Um, but it's in a good way. Um, so my deadlifting is just more. Uh, I'm deadlifting twice a week because um, I was only doing once a week. And then I, so I you're was...
0: squatting three times a week and deading twice a week. Are yeah. they are some of them on the same day though, or is it? Yeah.
2: So I have a SBD day. Uh, more on like my second day. I have pause squats on my first day. And then on my third day of squatting, so I squat back to back to back, but I have a day in the middle where I take a, I'll, I'll take a rest day because it'll be my, like, 13-hour work day or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then the next day I'll come in and I'll, like, squat something relatively heavy just depending on the week because um, it changes per week and based off, based off things that we, we've discussed – um, but my deadlifting is just my first day. Is just getting comfortable under loads and just you know maybe doing um, doubles, triples, um, sometimes singles, but nothing crazy. Then on my last day of deadlifts, it's a little bit heavier uh, with like maybe doubles and triples. And um, we're getting we're now getting into like doubles and singles and things like that because we're getting closer to comp. So just getting back comfortable lifting a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so. I mean, it's it's going pretty well. Like, I'm more confident than I've been, and it's moving better.
0: It sounds like you got a crazy workload in terms of, um, you know, the volume you put in in the gym. Although, like, it depends on – like, if you were to go in on the the days where you're doing it back-to-back-to-back, it all – you know, you would have one day where you're going to focus on a little heavier, and then the other days you don't have to go as heavy, so it's more manageable or – because we only see Uh snapshots on Instagram. And if you were going (laughs) 661 – You know, like, you're like, holy shit, you couldn't even wrap your head around squatting three days a week. So, um,
2: like, one week, for instance, I I think I was supposed to do, like, a, a, this was the week, well, this was the week where I had to go see my chiropractor because my back was hurting, but I still did, like, a a pause double at, like, 650, um, and then, like, back downs and back offs um, at, like, 600 and a little bit lower than that, and then the next day I come in and I do SS. D squats or not that SSB, Hatfield squats. Yeah. And that's above 500 um, for like three by seven. And then um, rest day. And then the day after it's it was like six, what did I squat that day? Like 661 or something or whatever. So Damn. yeah, it's, it's all, it's, it's high, you know,
0: yeah. it's up there, above, but
2: like it's manageable. So. No
0: kidding, dude. Um, and also when you were talking about how, when you're looking ahead, Like you started getting stronger, and one of the things was like when you're watching, because you said like I'm not the strongest, and I'm seeing what other people are doing, and I want to be the strongest. It's crazy how like because I started powerlifting like like 12 years ago, whatever. It's been like a hot minute, and the numbers that people are putting up now is like insane. Like like we can't. If you were squatting over 600 pounds, you were a fucking heavyweight. Ray Williams was squatting like 800, and that was a world record. 800 and that was a world record and this is like ray williams man and this isn't like a shitload ago this is like four years ago or something like it's insane where we're at where 83 kilo guys are 700 so for ray williams a super heavyweight ray to be eight and you 83 kilo guys now are seven it's like mind-boggling and um I, i always bring it back to like the four minute mile where before yeah. someone oh, yeah. ran that four-minute mile, everybody thought, like, that's never going to happen. Like, that's like um, landing the, landing on the moon. When In the 1920s and 30s, they thought that was a joke, a man-on-the-moon type deal, right? And as soon as somebody did the four-minute mile, the next year, like, three, four people hit broke the four-minute mile. And then the next year after that, like, ten people. Next year after that, and then now it's like the standard. You can't do a four-minute mile, you shouldn't be around here. It's crazy how, like... You guys, now it's you know, it's like standard, you all have to be over 600 pound squatters, and going into like 700 pounds, like where do you see this in the future? This going
2: for for, for yeah. all you,
0: for all you, in terms of like yourself, but the rest of the yeah. field, like do you ever feel here's the thing when you're in the U.S. Um, you get a lot of heat because everyone watches the U.S. nationals, so so you get a lot of shine, there's a lot of like you know, eyeballs going your way. On the flip side, to make it to the worlds, like the standard is so freaking high. When you're squatting, when you're squatting six sixty one three hundred kilo for a triple, and you might not be the biggest squatter that day. That's insane. That's like freaking insane. You know what I mean? Like, um, like, how do you feel about it? Do you ever look around the world and be like, shit, man? If I was from, pick your country. If I was from Germany, I'd be the German champion and going to the World Championships every year. You know what
2: I mean? Like, you be nah, up there. See, it's, it's true, though. Like, you're absolutely right. But, like, the thing I, I think about is that I'm not there for a reason because I like to look at, like, again, how I grew up and things like that. Like, my life wasn't made to be easy, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, like, built off of my struggles and my success has, has come from that as well. So all I see is another challenge and another roadblock that I just have to get over, mm-hmm. right? So if someone's going to squat 700, fuck it, I'm going to squat 700 or more, you know, like... Like if someone's going to bench this, I'm going to do that. And if I'm not there now, it doesn't mean I'm not going to. I'm not going to get there in the long. Yeah. Game. Because at the end of the day, it's all about the long game, right? You got to outlast competition. You got to grow. You got to get better than everyone. And it takes time. Um, and I think that's something that I truly had to understand as well too. Because coming into the sport, I'm like, I want to be great now. And then I think everyone has that mindset, but you have to take a moment breathe and realize it's going to take time mm-hmm. and your body has to catch up with your mind. Uh, like, I mean, as much as we want it, you know, I think my, I'm finally getting there. I'm finally like got everything in sync. Like my benches exploded. My squats exploded. My dad's are coming back. And then it's just like, for me, I'm like, I'm, I'm excited. It's a, it's like, it's a thrill, you know, like my first pro national experience was such a thrill again being hurt sucks, but we're all hurt. We all go through shit and that's okay. You know, I wasn't gonna let it deter me from being there because I knew I needed to. And as soon as they opened those doors and I walked through like they had the crowd like kind of like barricaded a little bit so you could walk through and it was just like holy shit, I feel like a superstar (laughs) in here. You know what I mean? Like God damn, like it was exciting. Like I was like this is this is it. This is why I'm here. This is and I want that again, but now I'm ready to compete like, at the level that I'm at, you know, yeah. and it's, like, yeah, it sucks, because, like, the, the top, for instance, just say my class, the 83, the top, what, one through five maybe can go to worlds in place, like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. yeah we have shit, chip, you know, like, but how cool is it to know that you've outlasted and outbeat those guys to get there, you know, right. you know, you're, like, you're, and, and we also have to remember, like, when it comes to competition day, or, like, the day of the meet, it's about who's the strongest that day. It's not necessarily about who's the strongest overall, right? 100%. Anything can happen we know this.
0: My man, um, 2017, taught me that where I think it was 795 kilo won it. And, and it was, um, and Russell lost. It was Ulan, it was, if I'm hopefully uh, saying his name right, from Kazakhstan, won it with a 795. And, like, uh, Bred had totaled over 800 several times leading into that. But that's, this is sports. And there's something that sports will have taught you before you got into powerlifting. Um, you see, it, like, upsets in terms of football, basketball, uh, hockey. The, the best team in, in any of those leagues will have lost several times throughout the season to lesser teams all the time. In powerlifting, because we only compete two to three times a year, this expectation that you have to win every time, like it's not the way sports generally work and generally operate. Like it's just not. You get taught like the better team will lose some games to a far lesser team and it's just the way the shit shakes up. And if you come from another sport and you enter powerlifting coming from another sport, I think when you walk into like a competition, you know that. So you're like, all right, look, nine days out of 10 doesn't matter. This is this day, anything can shake up. Anything can happen. One ref call for your third squat. One ref call for your your bench. Or you just aren't going to have the best day. You're just not going to be strong today. That's going to be ass. And I'm going to take your spot. Like that happens in all of the sports. When you play 82 games in hockey, you see it all the time. Or if you play basketball, man, and it's the best of whatever series, fucking some teams will lose. And in powerlifting, man, I think sometimes we forget that. Because you see people post on Instagram only the highlights, so you think that's exactly what he's bringing on that day. Man, God knows what's going to happen. You know, there's a reason yeah. why you don't win on your nomination; you win on the, what you do that day.
2: I mean, who was it? Was it David Wilson last year? Am I? Am I? Am I right? Then he, yeah, I mean. Yeah. I, oh my God.
0: Yeah. Maybe <laughs> look. He beat Ashton Bruska, who's scary yeah. as hell, and Ellis McLean, who was the IPF. He beat. The IP, reigning IPF world champion and the unofficial world record holder both in the same day to solidify a spot and go to the worlds. Like, that's sports, bro. You it's, know? It's that, that's why we Ashton, play the game. And
2: Ashton, I think that was, that was a tough day with calling and stuff, too. I mean, I, I can't say about calling, I don't really know, but that, that man is strong. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, man, he's a yeah.
0: scary psychologist. He's a scary yeah. Like That's sports though, right? Like, you yeah. know, you have good days, off days, and you can't, if it's your if if um, it's your turn to have the off day, like you did last time, that last Nationals, you can't wear it and carry it with you too long because the benefit of the other sports like that I just mentioned, you have another game in two days and you can turn it around and nobody's going to remember that. The problem with powerlifting, I say problem, but the difference is you might have to wait six months. So it's tough, right? So yeah. you have to almost... That's what other sports will teach you is you don't wear that, you let it go. That was a bad day, it happens, man. That's not defining you or or all the work you put in. You're nothing, I gotta rejig my program. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe the program is bang on, it's just you had that day. You had a <laughs> shitty day. Like, you don't wanna overthink things, you know what I mean, sometimes.
2: Yeah. And and like, I think I, I heard your recent one with Ash, and he, I mean, his mindset, like, I mean, that man is, is amazing. Like, he was just simply, like, I, I went back, I squatted even deeper. Like, I'm doing everything to make it undoubtedly, like, all yeah. these lifts are good. Like, if you just listen to the way he speaks, you're like, wow, that is a champion's mindset. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't did dread on it. But, you know, and I think also, like, social media does a great job of pitting people against each other and just saying things like for instance like yeah you know what if you you know you don't do as well as national at Nationals and you go like uh maybe to the Arnolds to do a meet before then and you put up a great total and it's like oh but it wasn't against these people during this time period. I'm like I mean well you know there's different variables and things too and I understand that like my like the uh, the Raw Nationals meet that was the fastest meet I've ever experienced in my life man. Holy shit that meet went by in like three hours. I was like what what is going on? Like you need to get a chance to believe, you know. Like, but that's that's the level you're on. It's, well, mostly because it was prime time, you know, which I absolutely love that they do. You know, it's just a, a, an asset to, to us and to get a little 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 shine. You know what I mean? Like, and you you can't count anyone out. You know, like oh, for instance, Marcus. I think Marcus is definitely like someone that a lot of people may count out, um, but I think at any given moment he could like bring it, and you just you what just don't know what
0: Yeah, he doesn't get, you know, I'm surprised he doesn't get more heat on, uh, in terms of like shine on Instagram because dude A is crazy strong, bodied up like a primetime Evander Holyfield from the 90s. Like the guy (laughs) is uh, totally bodied up, hitting, hitting the videos shirtless, smashing major numbers. You would think that's how you get like. You know, tons of Instagram followers. I'm surprised he doesn't get more. He and he took, I think it was third place last year. And I mean, third place at U.S. Nationals yeah. is insane when you think about how competitive it is. Um, yeah, like just a guy like Marcus, a guy like Rob Ali, a guy like yourself, Yangsu Renhu, Yangsu Ren, dude, 800. <laughs> eight, my man is the, broke the IPF world record, 83 kilo for deads. But oh, Yangsu yeah. Ren, right. man, yeah, yeah, right. he did at worlds. But uh, Yangsu Ren pulling 800, like it's not competition uh you know he had straps on and whatever the but it's still that's insane it's insane like um what what do you what do you think's gonna happen what total are you are you hoping to get and how are things gonna shake up do you think because i'm having a hard time myself placing like i I think russell's obviously a favorite um Mm -hmm. he's got the the biggest fold we've ever seen 83 kilo
2: yeah but russell russell's consistent Um, And I think that's something that we can not count out. Like Russell is a consistent athlete. He will always put up a consistent number that's going to give him the win. And I mean, he's going to, I mean, if he's got more in a tank, he's going to go for it for sure. But you know, like, well, no matter what I think he's going to put on whatever he needs to pull to win. Um, uh, Sean's just like, I mean, his numbers are there. If, if the bench doesn't go his way, then I, you, you'll never know. Um, That's true, yeah. His, yeah. Deadlifts have, I mean, his deadlifts have been looking amazing lately in terms of, like, how much he's been pulling. Um, and his squats are coming back. I'm, um, like, definitely, like, like surprised after the knee injury um, mm-hmm. how, how well he's been able to, like, maintain uh, the numbers he's done. And then, like like I said with Marcus, you just never know, man. Like, you never know. And if the other guys who, who are within top ten – come to the meet, then, I mean, like, it's, to me, it's anyone's ball ballgame um, from three and out, like, top two is definitely uh, a favorite between Russ and Sean, of course, uh, but at the end of the day, when you get to the meet, it's about what happens that day, and who's mm-hmm. going to put up what, if anybody slips, shit, it's my game, you know yeah. what I mean, like,
0: <laughs> well, 100%, dude, uh, Brett can hit 830, or he can hit 795, any given day, <laughs> You, you, uh, something could drop like a thirty-five to forty kilo drop off the best total. Um, like percentage-wise, isn't very big, and that hap- that can easily happen. Well, what do you? What is your goal? Because oftentimes you don't want to chase. Because sometimes when you chase, you know you're putting on third attempts because you think this is what you need to have this certain placing. Like everybody does. this, I do this myself. Like every, I think I, all powerlifters all do this. Where you scout. We've had conversations even with yourself. You scout people, and you're like. I need this squat. I need this bench. I need this dead. And sometimes, like, if you load up a little too much and you start missing your thirds, where if you would have stayed in the pocket and the other guy misses his thirds, that's all you need. And you just need the yeah. best you have that day. Um, so it's a bit of a loaded question, I know, because that given day, when you show up on the day, you might be like, look, at the game plan changed a little bit. Like, I don't give a shit what I said on King of the Lifts. I'm going to drop them a little whatever, right? Things change. But what do you oh, yeah. think? What do you think? Is your projected where you'd like to be in terms of total?
2: In in training right now, um, my my numbers don't vary too much when I waterload. load. Uh, so in training right now, personally, I I would have to again talk um, and see where we're at before our nationals. But mm. I can see myself hitting over an eight hundred total um, kg. I can see that for sure. Um, but. I, my personal, my, my biggest goal is definitely to be one of the first to squat 700 um, and, and 83 raw USAPL. Uh, you know,
0: it would be all about who puts the attempt in first, you or Russell. You know Russell's like, don't you fucking dare put it in on your second attempt. <laughs> or or everyone's checking, or you're checking your lot numbers and be like, oh, if I go first, like I get it there before Russell does. <laughs>
2: it's, it's funny, but you know, uh, and that's when you, you, you gotta play your game, right? No matter what what's been calling, what's happening, you do yeah. what you are supposed to do, and everything's gonna play out how it's supposed to. Uh, so here's the thing: Russell's an overall strong squatter. It is what it is, um, and I mean he's gonna put in whatever he needs, whether it's it's seven hundred or more, like it, yeah. you know. But like I think that they like also six ninety like is now the national record, right? if I'm not mistaken, for USAPL. Yeah, because you so like, hit that, yeah. All you got to do is chip that for the national record. But I don't see any chipping going on here unless someone hits 700, then you chip that. Because that's really all you would need. Um, so who knows? Like, game game plan changes. Um, like, I, what I know about Russ and how he's been competing over the, the couple of years that I've seen him is that he doesn't play anyone's game but his. Mm-hmm. Right. So like I'm not I'm not really concerned with that because I know what I want I know what I'm going to do um, I feel like some people may try to play catch up in the squats but I think squats squats is my lift it's my biggest lift this is where I gain the most ground in my total um, so I'm definitely going to do everything I can in my power to make sure I solidify a 700 total by training now um, to be prepared that day you know if it's there it's there I'm gonna take it if it's not there yeah then it's not you know you gotta you gotta roll with the punches and keep it moving. You know, no matter what you say before, you, know, you can talk whatever you want and talk. But if you can't back it up on the day of, like, it is what it is. And you got to keep it moving.
0: It, it's, you know, everybody remembers who does it first. So that is going to be interesting. Just a lot of numbers. Who gets to go first mm-hmm. in terms of, because that's fucking man, That could be the first guy who squats 700 pounds.
2: Can you, I mean, but like, it's crazy, man. Like, think about it. Like, we're, like, like what I, I doubled, um, I'd, I had a light double um, this past, past week at, at what was it, Six twenty-eight, Like, six twenty-eight for a life. I was like, wow, this is easy. Like, dude, how
0: crazy is that? Dude, uh, well, when I was commentating the 2016 IPF World Championships, I forget what the world record was, but it was like like 6.40 maybe? Around 6.40. Yeah, and, like, six, it, and they hit was it, 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 Like, it's, the, the squats have been absolutely mm-hmm. gone. And, yeah, same with Deadly, same with all the numbers. I mean, every year it gets a little crazy. It gets a little more intense. Um, and that's what makes like, and there's more guys who at the top can hit this. It's not one or two, like a uh, if it's a weight class where it's one maybe two guys nowhere, If it's like a runaway favorite, nowhere near as entertaining. When it's like a cluster of guys at the top hitting these kind of numbers, man, it's this is what sports is. Like I'm not tuning into a basketball game when one team's going to blow out the other team by fifty points. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, nobody wants to see that. I want to see two guys go toe-to-toe, and it's about who's going to be the first to squat 700. I'll watch that. Are you kidding me? Know. Of course. Like, yeah, that's like, and you're right in the mix. Like, of course. And then you got guys, like, any given day could step up. Like, like I, seriously, one through five or six, or man, who knows? It seems like off the top of my head, I can name five or six guys in a three-kilo class who could step up and win it. And then there's probably three other dudes. I remember Yang Su Ren, when we were going into... I forget what nationals it was. He pulled 747, which is... Was it? And I had the preview show, and I was joking around on the preview show being, I don't know, fuck, Yang Su Ren (laughs) could do this. And I was just fucking around. And then the guy comes out and smashes a 747 pole. And it was like, oh my God, so... I mean, I remember so, watching
2: that one, and I was like, because this was even way before I went to uh, USAPL, of course. Um, I was just watching. And I was like, oh man, this is hype. I really like it. And then I'm like, and I, I see him squat. I'm like, okay. And I see him bench. I'm like, oh, what, what is this guy doing
0: here? Yeah. And then I see him deadlift. I was like, Holy okay, that's shit. what he's that's what he's doing here. That's what he's doing here. Yeah.
2: yeah. Right. <laughs> he he belongs. Oh, he belongs. belongs.
0: Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like <laughs> people emerge that you don't even see coming. And uh, that's like, I mean, it's the beauty of the sport as well. Look, a year and a half ago, you were just some random dude telling Russell, "Watch out for me." Year and a half later, we're talking possible eight hundred kilo total, seven hundred squat, like it's crazy, man. You know, yeah. how, how quickly Whoa. things change.
2: Like again, small things. Like for me, like getting getting a PR on my deadlifts is gonna be fun. Uh, getting over four hundred bench, that's gonna be exciting, you know. But the squats is where you know, like the seven hundred that that number, I'm not stuck to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm more willing to, if the day doesn't give me that, which, again, I'm a firm believer in that, I'm affirming things, I'm affirming that I'm going to get a 7-under squat, but if the day doesn't give me that, I'm not like, oh, boo-hoo, I'm going to push it, and then you yeah. know, try to go for it.
0: Nah. That's a tough thing, um, especially when your jam is squats, because, like, if, you're, if your jam is dead, like, my man, Cathwee's jam is dead, so his last pull is his last pull. If he doesn't get it, he doesn't have to go back out there and keep playing. Whereas if your gym is squats and you're building your foundation off squats, if you don't get your big squat in, whatever that does to you emotionally, mentally, psychologically, you have to go out there and keep playing. Like the, the play <laughs> continues on to bench, on to death, There's a lot of lifting left. So if you're like, man, my, my totals really banking on this. That's tougher, whereas, like, it might be easier, like, for, for like, Cathwee, who's, like, a polar. almost anything can happen in squats and bench, and you're like, hey, fuck it, I'm gonna pull myself back into this, right? Like, it's a, it's one of those. However, on the flip side... Um, if you're a big squatter, you build this total and you're making the guy more and more comfortable being like, God, man, you got to pull like 800 by my count now. You know what I mean? Like, you could just stack the deck and really discourage somebody and make them chase you if you if you stay in the pocket. So I know what you mean where it's like, look, at a 700 there is great. But when you start chasing those nice, round, sexy numbers, like 700, 400 for a bench, like when you start chasing certain numbers, you know, that's where you, like you said, you got to have the maturity where you're like, Look at, you know, I want to hit 700, but if I'm just loading it for the sake of a round number because that, and that's not necessarily on the day, maybe even two and a half kilo less, it's for sure. Two and a half kilo more, you know how it is when it's top end. You know, that's the, the it's almost sometimes easier when you walk in there and you're not close to a round sexy number yet. You don't have that round number to chase yet, so you got nothing to reach for. You're just like, "What's two and a half kilo more?" It's, it's nothing. It's yeah. a weird number in the middle of nowhere. So let's just do whatever, right? Sometimes it's sometimes it's a blessing. It's a gift and a curse, right? To have that round Bro, number right but, in front uh, of
2: you. When uh, uh when you're uh, I forgot who it is when he did the thirteen not thirteen the three hundred seventeen point five deadlift.
0: Dude, that was Kathleen. That was Kathleen. That was Kathleen, man. I know. Dude, Paul. God damn it! I was watching it. I'm like, Paul. It's, it was. Thing is, because it's a record, a Canadian record. It was a chip. Yeah. It was half a kilo. It was uh, so. Anyone listening we're like cap you're going to be the first canadian to pull 700 man this is you this is this, this is your time and they loaded up it is a record so you could chip whatever you want 317.5 it was 699.98 .98 i'm like oh my god oh, wow he's the first guy to pull 699.98 Oh man, I was watching a live stream, and Paul, who does a co-hosting on this, was loading it up. You could see Caffey. You know, right before you come out, they show the weight over top of your name, and I could see six in brackets, six ninety nine point nine eight. And I'm like, oh my god, this is tough to watch. This is. It was like hard to watch because it wasn't over yet. You until they say bar is loaded, it's not over yet. So right. they, they hadn't said Bar's loaded They're cleaning the bar Because it's the last That lift You always clean the bar And I'm like Texting Paul I'm like fuck Look down on your Look at your phone Paul Look at your phone buddy I'm like come on I'm trying to will it to happen and They're like Bar's loaded I'm like ah oh, You were saying Hard
1: to watch I had to experience it <laughs> yeah,
0: Well afterwards Yeah <laughs> afterwards His girlfriend's like He's like yeah I'm the first to pull Six, seven hundred And she's like wow She just broke it to me She's like no mm-hmm. It's actually
1: six nine Nine point
0: nine If you round up oh. A little bit Damn it and then um, the story all well and as well at the IPF World Championships. So this is where it makes it tough. Talk about those round numbers. So the IPF world is like, do you want to be the first to pull 700, like first Canadian to pull 700, or are you going for the world record? you got to make those decisions. Right. you only got one third, right? You can't do it in your seven. You can't pull 700 in your second and right. then 715 on your third. It's way too heavy on your second. You're not going to have it on your third. And it was like, fuck it, we're going for the world champ, we're going for the world record. And he so he pulls, breaks the world record, out pulls Brett, out pulls Russell. Then a homie from Sweden comes, half a kilo, and we're like, God damn it, man. We can't can we can we get a win here? Can we can we just and the thing too is um obviously whenever you pull like a record, you're only gonna chip it. You'd be crazy to go more than half a kilo and chip it. So he hit that, and he looked like he had a you know maybe not not, not ten kilo more, but a few kilo more. But it moved pretty well. And then the, the sweet comes out. Carlson is it Carlson?
1: Eric Carlson. Eric I Carlson.
0: I, or it's Carl Erickson. You Something know how, like that. I don't want to mess with. His I don't. Name you like know what? He's a, he's a good guy too. Yeah. He's a nice guy. I don't want to, I, I feel terrible. I keep messing up his name. But he came out and he like he scrapped it out and he got it. But he scrapped it out. It's like. Damn it, man! That's the way sports go, though, right? you It's the order it goes. It's the way it goes. You can't complain. Um, sometimes it goes in your favor, sometimes it doesn't. It is what it is, but...
2: We so um, had the world record for a short bit. Yeah. A
0: half, I it. <laughs> I it. yeah about 30 seconds, he's on top of the world.
2: Man. <laughs> Not many people can say that.
0: <laughs> oh, it is what it is. Yeah, it's tough, man. I mean, uh, but it is, like 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 we were saying, that's, that's straight up sports. Sometimes it flips your way. Sometimes that's where lot numbers are, are key if the guy goes after you. Um, and that's where it's gonna be. I'm really interested in the lot numbers for the 83 kilo raw nationals now because you and Russell are pretty much gonna be in the exact same situation then. You know yeah, who, who,
2: who? I, I have no idea of my numbers. I have no idea what I'm opening with. Like but just the way it's looking it, it's, it's closer to mid sixes if not.
0: Yeah, to the upper end. worst case scenario and that's it you gotta be you gotta be fluent. Uh, listen, we had you on for an hour forty five. Holy shit, this is wow. a long one. I got another podcast. I got I got Jonathan Keiko um, in like ten minutes. I didn't expect us to rock and roll this long, but uh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, but listen, I always ask everybody who comes on um, when all is said and done, and 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 you're done powerlifting, how do you want to be remembered?
2: I, um, so based off this like origin story that people have heard about me, um, just now on this, uh, King of List podcast, I want what to be taken from this is to, um, just remember, like, I mean, you, you just got to work hard for whatever it is that you want. I'm out here to inspire a stronger you that's mentally and physically, and to remind you that you can do anything as long as you're hungry. Right. So we're going to inspire you and we're going to inspire a stronger you. Y'all just stay hungry.
0: My man, I think your story definitely uh, epitomizes that, you know, hard work pays off. That's for sure. If someone wants to get a hold of you, do you do coaching?
2: I, I do do coaching. I'm very low key about it um, okay. just because it's it's one of those things where I'm very selective just because of my timing. Um, so I do do coaching and you Fair. can reach me at um on Instagram. Um, I do have my email attached to that as well.
0: And uh, is there anybody you want to give a, a thank you to before we let you go?
2: Oh, absolutely. I so many people, man. So I'm just going to sum it up. Uh, Kodak Kicks, especially, uh, they're amazing, an amazing company to work for. I'm telling you, they're just absolutely amazing people. Uh, I would like to give a shout out to my Spider Strength Gym family. Uh, man, they will hype me up any day. I go for a heavy squat. I, I absolutely love the environment out there. Um, my friends down in South Carolina, uh Becca, Tricia, the Bama Brick Squad fam, like, just everyone, man. Anyone who's been there to support me overall, like, love you guys. Thank
0: you. Listen, thanks for coming on. Yeah, we're we're at like an hour 50, man. That's when a good conversation when, like, you blow through almost two hours and you don't realize it. But uh, we got to have you come back on. Uh, Door is always open, my friend. But for sure, after the U.S. Raw Nationals, let's catch back up.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, buddy. Well, good luck at Raw Nationals. We'll be watching. See you. Thank you. Yeah, almost. Four. Yeah, man, we just like fucking rolling the room of time here. In five minutes, I gotta have Jonathan Keiko on. But uh, shit, that's a pretty good. I like his story because it's it's one hundred percent. It's um, it's not about where you start. It's about where you finish.
1: Exactly. And
0: you hard work and you grind, you could get there. And he's like epitomizes that from like is
1: from such a young age
0: yeah like six years old he's like i th- this isn't how this story ends
1: exactly you know
0: i'm gonna start grinding I got, i'm gonna figure this out like at looking six. at
1: where you are at now and being like this is not one finish. this is
0: not how yeah this isn't this is I'm, i want more um i mean and, and so many people could be in the exact same situation and not have that it it's it's weird Some people it becomes just, a
1: mindset like are you going to be complacent or
0: and and he started having those moments realization moments Where, you know, once he, like, well, I was 1.8 GPA, started grinding on his own. Just let me figure this out. Let me start working hard. No one's telling me to. No one's telling me how to. No one's organizing this for me. No you know, what directions I got to go, but I'm just going to start. Bumps up to 3.0, and he's like, shit, I'm not, I'm not down. Like, I'm not, uh, What you know, these limitations were just, like, I can actually sort this out and do everything everybody else is doing. I just got to grind for it. Um, hell of a story, man. I'm glad we had him on, and I'm super excited to see him uh, perform at U.S. Raw Nationals, and if he could hit 700, he can't man, it's there. Him, Russell, like, we got a couple guys.
1: Oh, 100%. Um,
0: I mean, it's going to be interesting. So, anyways, listen, everybody, if you like the podcast, by all means, put it in your Instagram stories. I will repost. Give us high ratings so guys like Jamar can get get the shine they deserve he's got a hell of a story um and yeah man go follow this guy because he is an inspirational dude um good kid I say kid he's 28 but he's you know when you're 40 everybody in the 20s but um you know he's inspirational guy in in a positive dude you know what i mean like he's he's that dude where he sets goals and um i like how he said like he'll throw it out there like a like a what is it? What's the word I'm looking for? Like confirmation or affirmation?
1: Affirmation. Like
0: Ali who said, I am the greatest. And I said that before I even knew I was. I just said it over and over and over. And then I started believing it. You know, and then all of a sudden, holy shit, here we are. Where he was saying, like he oftentimes will be like, this is where I see myself. Long before I knew I was capable of, I was telling myself I'll be on that stage. And he hadn't even lifted the USAPL. Look at us now. It's like, like
1: the power thing version of the pursuit of happiness. There it is, man.
0: But uh, but anyways, until next time, uh, six pack lab it up.
1: Cafe Fitness. Peace.